It's all good. You're too cute, man. I'm not. I'm not gonna go trying to ruin a good thing here. Stop. All right, stop. Hey, hey, let's just do it. All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Midwest Flyers Uncensored. Today we have no Connor, but we have Cal. Ness, Joey Vassallo, and we have two very special guests in town to Minnesota. We have Forrest Carpenter and Kyle Jones. Hey, thanks for having us on. Heck yeah, guys. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having us. What are, you doing? what are you doing in Minnesota? That's a good question. Yeah. I uh, thought I had an idea this morning. but I mean, uh, I know you're like a traveling vagabond, Forrest, <laughs> but... We were partaking in a long, tra- long family tradition in waterfowl hunting state of minnesota ah storied tradition <laughs> story tradition yep yeah <laughs> story's been a little lackluster the last couple of years but <laughs> oh my god how'd it go it so was, far it was good yeah. it was good yeah um first day today and and we had a uh, little bit of a wrench thrown in uh the plans we were supposed to be going out and, and hunting a field and uh we got out there showed up and the uh, guy who had the field or the, the the owner actually decided that he changed his mind and didn't <laughs> want us going out there. Mainly there was some mis- miscommunication that kind of led to it all, but you know, the guy owns the place and he's got the right to kick us off whenever he wants to. Right. So wow. you know, I'm just glad he did it before shooting light. It, you know, not something we expected, but uh, the guys had a plan B and uh, it actually panned out pretty darn well. We, we had a heck of a duck shoot, you know, good wind, overcast, and man, it was, it, was, it was fun. I was expecting geese, but that was not a disappointment by any means. I will never pass up the opportunity to shoot dry field mallards with never. snow on the ground. And it's just, it's hard to pass that up. It's oh, yeah. A, it's a cool experience. Is that your guys' favorite then, is dry field mallards? Yeah. So that's like one of the, that's one of the questions I wanted to ask you guys. Like, yeah. create your perfect hunting scenario. So, like, just to give you a little bit of backstory too, like this morning, so Joey and I, we, uh, we hunted, we hunted this field, or no, we, uh, <laughs> We had a field last night that uh, had some geese in it, and Joey, uh, Joey was trying to connect with a farmer, and we've hunted, you know, he's hunted it before, but we just couldn't end up getting a hold of this guy. So we were like trying to make last minute plans last night, um, and I told Joey, I'm like, hey, look, man, there's this lake right that we've always, you know, hunted. And for some reason, it's like people think they can't hunt it because there's only like two spots in the lake that you can hunt it. And so it just never gets pressured. And there's only a couple times a year where it's just awesome. And it's just one of those things like this is my perfect hunting scenario. I think it just makes me feel like I wish my brothers were there, you know, like this is just like everything you dream of. So it's, it's perfect. It's a big water situation. The reeds are covered in snow, winds whipping, big waves on the water. You've got a 12 foot John boat. Right. You sound like Wade Bourne over here talking about something. That'll be in a Ducks Unlimited book, man. (laughs) Hey, man, maybe I need to start writing some stories, right? Do it. No. So, okay, so create your perfect hunting situation. Like, what are you hunting? That's uh, that's tough. I mean, you guys know as well as anybody. I mean, you, you go out, and, and the more places you hunt and you catch it right, the harder it is to choose a favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, God, you know, it... If I really had to choose, I would honestly say super, super small water. Little tiny creeks. Dude. I, just this the little deal I got to do out in Wyoming the other day, man. I was just going to – I wanted you to talk about that because that thing looks so oh. epic. 
it's still crunching my pants. The entire <laughs> yeah. <time>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I've, I've been on some really amazing duck hunts with a lot of great friends and made some awesome memories. But I think as far as just the birds and the intimacy of the situation, that was the best. Uh, it was cold. I mean, it was 10 degrees, uh, snow God. on the ground, and it was a little tiny spring creek. And uh, in places, there was one place where we, we hopped across because the mud, put it this way, the mud uh, was so deep that I was buried to my waist but oh, it was the water was two inches deep, right? Two to two and a half. It was almost enough to float a floater, but not quite. There were a couple <laughs> deeper spots digging where out some could, pockets, exactly, oh, exactly. Yeah. And, and that you could see where the decoys had gone back and forth and been moving in the mud. So I mean, it was it was crazy how shallow it was. But um, anyway, two to six feet wide tops, uh, and there's a bluff on one side where we tucked in and. The furthest that you could have been from the ditch was about five yards. So <laughs> I was maybe four feet from the bank. Um, and oh, my God. It was, Holy shit. I, I've never – I've been close to a lot of birds. You know, I've, I've, I've done a lot of really cool stuff, but that was that was right at, right at the tops. I mean, yeah. and it was one How of those things that, uh, you know, we were, we were running late. The uh, There was a farmhand uh, – that wanted to show us a way in there and, and take us down. Because uh, the guy that I was going with, he's guided on this ranch and, and done a bunch of stuff. But the the uh, the hand out there said, no, you guys need to, you know, follow me. I know where they are. You, you guys got to do this. Yes. So, um, unfortunately, he was working with another buddy of his that was in town trying to shoot a deer. And he was delayed trying to get this guy set in a stand to, to go shoot a big whitetail. Uh, so, we're sitting there, and we didn't get down to – you know, where we parked the truck until we had about four minutes left until shooting light is when we walked. Holy walked. shit. So, I, I mean, yes. at this point, we haven't seen a duck. Things aren't, I mean, it's, it's just. And it's you drove a ways, didn't you? Man, I got, so, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even think about starting back there. Your yeah. face was like, uh-huh. oh, yeah, I yeah. did. Oh, oh, yeah, PTSD. Um, <laughs> no, man, I, uh, he gave me the call the night before at about five o'clock and, it's just one of those things when you get the call and, and the call, you know what I'm talking about when, when get your buddy, here, yeah, yeah, exactly, yep. that's the one. And, uh, and he called me and he said, man, I got something really sweet and mm-hmm. I, I want you to be here for it. And my wife is nine months pregnant and could pop <laughs> any second. And I said, I love you. I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> and she and she got it. She's great. She's, she's perfect when it comes to all that stuff. And I, uh, I hopped in the truck, um, I would have flown, but there was a big snowstorm, and uh, I know myself, and I know that if I knew Mallards were on the other side of the snowstorm, I might have just given it a shot. Sure, I, I didn't want to deal with that, so I uh, you know hopped in the truck, drove seven hours. Oh, uh, yes, My I got God. I got up there at uh, I'd make it about twelve thirty, twelve forty five when I got in, slept for three hours, woke up, went out there, we got set up, um, and and. Once we got down to this ditch, I mean, I'm still sitting here going, wait, really? This is, this isn't much water. This and, is it, huh? And, and it was, it was like thick, thick sagebrush and sticker. Like I, I felt more like I was hunting quail or, or mule deer or something down in, in this big draw and ravine. And, uh, and it was unreal. I'm out there. We put the decoys down and 
you know, I, I go bend over to open up the bag and turn around and, and there's 15 mallards at like seven feet. Holy shit. And then I go, buddy, we got to get going. And he's, he said, don't move. And I had turned my head back down to lift some others up and another flock had come in and I didn't notice them until I heard them and felt the wind on oh. my neck. I turn around <laughs> and I'm, I'm not kidding. I've never felt it. It was dead calm in Wyoming, believe it or not. Um, and I felt the wind coming off their wings, hitting my neck. And I turned around, I, I could have. I could have grabbed one. I could have, if I had a bayonet, I mean, a tennis, all, all the all the typical adages or jokes, man, I, you could have done any of it. So we threw out two dozen decoys, piled in the brush, and it was it was on. I mean, we had, it was shooting light. It had been shooting light for a few minutes, but uh, it wasn't until like the third or fourth flock came by that I realized, oh, we're... We're still hunting. Yeah. yeah. Do, do you want to shoot one? Yeah, I'll shoot one. All right. Yeah, let's let's oh let's God. give this a shot. So, uh, I mean, Curtis hooked us up, and, and I was like, man, I, I, I got to get videos. I'll get pictures when it gets bright, but, like, this is too good. If it stops in two flocks, I want to be able to document this because this right. is the coolest yeah. thing ever. And uh, and he pulled up, shot a couple, and, all right, your turn. Uh, okay, sweet. Another, you know, every – 45 seconds to a minute and a half, it seemed like they were coming. We didn't even go pick up ducks until we were almost at a limit. Holy crap. But it was just like, all right, he's got two. All right, now my turn came up. And, um, you know, I brought the 28 gauge, and I love shooting uh, sub gauges, and, and that's kind of my yeah. thing. My goal is to, to go, yeah, there you go. Especially uh, at to, five feet. Exactly. But <laughs> I've never felt like a 28 was just too much gun, and I was – it was it was bad. Knocking it. Yeah. Dead. Yeah, exactly. I yeah. mean, and I'm not talking TSS, I'm talking like the cheap Winchester steel sixes. Oh yeah. I, I couldn't believe it, man. I mean it was it was unreal. And they just kept coming and coming and coming and, and soon enough we had, you know, a lineman. I had a wood duck come in, uh, whacked him pretty close and I mean it got my bonus duck, so we were waiting on his bonus duck and I needed a mallard, I think, and Eventually, I picked off that mallard, and I mean, it's just a blur of, of flock after flock, and a pair here and a single there, and you know that with it being so tight and in a draw, um, they kind of worked like it was flooded timber. They'd, they'd start, they'd throw their feet out, kind of go sideways a little bit, and backpedal down from you know 25, 30 yards, and it was so tight on that ditch that these ducks would come in and they'd hit a stick or, or, or a uh, you know a sage limb that was overhanging the river, and they'd oh just fold gosh. their wings up and, and crash into the water oh. and. Um, and they'd sit there and, and I've got pictures and, and video of, uh, there was one green head that came in, um, after we had gotten everything, but you know, his last pintail, uh, I threw on the ghillie suit and grabbed the camera and right. was like, all right, this is, this is, this is awesome. So oh, I'm yeah. taking videos and pictures and, um, <clears throat> one of them came in and hooked around and hit the, uh, the grass right behind my head as he came over this little opening where I had made a depression and, and widened the river by, you know, 18 inches. Oh and he gosh. wanted to use that. So he came in, hit the grass right behind my head and landed on the other side of the ditch. And my feet were on the bank and there were three feet, maybe four feet between my heels and that duck. And he sat there and walked around and looked and he had mud all over his bill. It was like he had a, a nasal strip on his, on his bill of just mud. And it was, it was wild. There was a, I think there was another warm water spring just to the south of us, maybe two miles. And uh, it was just wave after wave after wave. And it's not like big, big flocks. I think the biggest group we saw working all day was, you know, 25, 30. Um, That's big for that. It is. It is. That's the thing. You know, once you get past about 10 at that close, it it doesn't matter if it's, you know, a hundred or a thousand. It's, it's just, it's, 
it's a lot. Yeah. And right. It was, it was unbelievable. Walked around. Uh, we had pheasants. I just about got hit in the head with pheasants too. I mean, it was like wildlife were attacking me, you know, it was one of the, huh, it was just magical. Yeah. You know, and I've really, I, I grew up doing a lot of small water hunting in Where'd Colorado. You go? Yeah. Colorado, okay. uh, Northern Colorado, just North of Denver. Um, and actually one of my favorite places that kind of got me into this stuff, um, was where Hunter Pickett, uh, grew up. He lived right on a creek, and and my buddy Zach Laborde and I uh, went to uh, high school with Hunter. And Hunter had done some hunting, but mostly jump shooting and and that kind of thing. And uh, he actually invited us out there. Said, "Hey, there's there's a bunch of ducks. I know you guys like to duck hunt. You you guys want to try decoying them and and try this thing out." Um, so went out there and uh, decided to give it a shot. And man, it was it was great. Another another real small creek, and we we hunted that for a few years and had a lot of really awesome hunts. But man, to to get to do it on a, a ditch was something else. I I don't yeah. There there's it's it's hard. It, it was a spring creek, but you, you don't really get it until you look at it and you go what? Yeah, <laughs> you know. And they're going to come here. It, yeah, exactly. And yeah, it's, that's it's, crazy. it's just one of the cool things about being out West, you know, when you're in a desert uh, and you find any water, ducks are all about it. It's yep. not like being in the Mississippi flyway where, you know, you can have water and, and ducks are hunting out new water, you know, hunting out the rising water or, or falling water in places. I mean, it's, it's just a completely different ball game. And if you can get over something that's going to make a reflection, you know, they'll, they'll give you, really? give you something. It's just the reflection you think. No, it's, I don't think it's just the reflection. I think it's just, they like to be around the water. Um, but when it gets that cold, if you've got, especially open water, that's not flowing right. slush, uh, you're, you're going to get a look as long as they see you or hear you. Yeah. That's awesome, man. What about you, Kyle? What's your favorite yeah. scenario? Well, where did you grow up first? So Michigan, like Washington, Washington. Yeah. So I, I grew up in, and started duck hunting in Washington. Okay. And in Western Washington, it was, it was different because there, there wasn't a ton of geese in the area that I was duck hunting in. And I really didn't travel a lot whenever I was younger to duck hunt. Like I would scout riding my bike around town, like yeah. small, like local, lo- really, really local. Yeah. Right. I was a 13, 14 year old kid duck hunting with my buddies and their dad or my dad that took us, you know, uh, and my dad to, he just took me, he didn't even know how to duck hunt. He just took me because I wanted to go, you know? So, sure. so it cool. wasn't, it wasn't like we would travel to the potholes or anything like that or Skagit Valley. So we really stayed in that little area. So we moved from Western Washington to Michigan. Well, Michigan, it has good duck hunting. Um, so was that UP or under the bridge? It was uh, the Lower Peninsula. So I actually live like right around Lansing. Um, okay. And but they have a phenomenal Canada goose population. Like, very. I mean, Forrest went over there and hunted Canada geese this oh, year. Yeah. And it's was it just dumb? It that's a, that's exactly how I describe yes. it. Yes. <laughs> and, and and not to mention the hardwoods with the leaves. I mean, yeah, <clears throat> yeah. I mean, it's 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 very. I mean, it's. Almost identical to like Minnesota. It felt Wisconsin. a lot like Minnesota. Exactly. Like we were we were driving around, and I was talking to Austin Sheelander today mm-hmm. after our hunt. I was like, man, so like, whenever this uh, snow melts, like if you're scouting a field and see a little puddle, I mean, I'm thinking I'm gonna watch that puddle because I know there's gonna be ducks in it. And he's like, 100%. absolutely. And I was like, boom. That's that's exactly how I kind of cut my teeth hunting in Michigan, right? Uh, so. Going from Washington to Michigan, I would say 
I actually have a few like favorite methods and like favorite hunting styles. Yeah. But I would, I would kind of put it in two, two categories. There's bucket list styles, mm-hmm. which like what Forrest talked about. Is oh, no, that's a bucket list abs- for me. Absolutely. 100%. It's, it's been a bucket list hunt since I watched Truth For Incoming by the old Primos boys when they're oh hunting, hunting like warm water springs, right? In Montana. And they were shooting ducks at like 10 feet. Right. That's been a bucket list of mine forever. But then you talk about hunts that we all would drop everything to go do. Right. And I, I personally think it's like your roots. Right. Right. Like what you cut your teeth. Totally. Doing. Like I would give anything to go hunt like 40 degrees in Western Washington, fog, rain, uh, rain, oh, mist yeah. and just there you go. pound ducks, dude. Or go vice versa and give me January and it be 25 degrees, a foot of snow on the ground and cloudy, you know, yep. a good 10 to 15 mile per hour wind so we can go pound Canada geese like we did in Michigan. So I think that you have those two root styles of hunting methods that you grew up doing that I don't think anybody would ever pass up. So that's kind of my it, style. It's crazy too that you say that because like you were just talking, Forrest, you were just talking about how one of your favorite hunts was the one you just went on, right? Like that's your ideal hunting oh, scenario, yeah. but you grew up hunting a creek. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so you no, were I talking mean, about that. And then like you're talking about now, you know, yeah, like yeah. your favorite thing would be to go and hunt in the rain in Western Washington or to be in Michigan in a foot of snow. Right. And like the thing I said this morning, like that was the first thing I started doing duck hunting. Right. Right. Yeah. Like that was like my first experiences. I, I think so much of it, you know, you start off early in your hunting career dreaming about everything else in the world. Right. And the more you go see the rest of the world, the more you want to go back to your roots and the more you appreciate that kind of stuff that you started with, because it's not only do you realize how good you had it, you know, that kind of thing, yeah. but it's, you know, the, the sentimental value too. You know, I think about, you know, where I used to go hunt with my dad or, you know, the first time I took my wife hunting and, and things like that, you know, it's it just, you know, becomes special on a whole nother level. For totally. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it just hits a, whole different level of home like you you truly are just like you know i'm like amped up to go hunt like in the rain you know what i'm saying so (laughs) yeah so so like i'm just amped up right just to go get soaking wet freeze (laughs) sounds awful freeze my ass loose bud yeah yeah that's not but like that cold is so much different than like eastern washington where i live now right it's it, that's a dry desert, like almost Wyoming style or Montana style uh, cold. And yeah. then you get to the west side, it might be 40 to 45 degrees. So it's coastal versus mountains, essentially. At, well, coastal versus like desert. Really? really? Yeah. So like there's sagebrush. I mean, uh, a lot of sagebrush, rolling hills, like cliffs, valleys, and canyon type stuff in eastern Washington. Yeah, there's a lot of ag, but western Washington's all like rain, like not rainforest, but you know, like evergreens, pine trees, stuff like that. Notice a lot of pasture stuff over there and like a lot of pasture ponds is what people are hunting. Yeah. Or, I mean like all those, it gets so wet and most of the time it's a Mecca for waterfowl because all those pastures, they flood and they get, you know, a foot, uh, you know, ankle deep to knee deep of water and ducks just perfect. It's literally it's perfect. Are they are they eating the corn out of cow shit type yep. of deal? They absolutely are. Oh yeah. 
Yeah, you, you mix that with, uh, you know, you get a big storm that comes in and pushes those birds in off the coast <laughs> that are hanging out in those estuaries. Man, I mean, that's absolutely Washington's a special place, man. That'll that'll turn. I'm dying to go. Out. We were supposed yeah. to go there before COVID. Oh. Yeah, so we had planned actually to go to Washington and try to shoot a harlequin oh, this yeah. year, um, but with COVID, the guide that we were that we have already been hunting with for a while that is based in Minnesota, mm-hmm. so he takes he extends his season guiding. So he goes to Maine first, then he goes to Washington. Wow! So it's, it's both sea ducks on both He's ends. Bonkers! That's, He's crazy. That is wild, dude. He's a wild man. His name is Darren Darren Lang, and uh, he owns DNA Guide Service in Minnesota. It's insanity. Like, if you ever get the chance to meet the guy, yeah. he's just, like, the biggest bird nerd you'll ever meet. No, he's got, like, for how many sure. how many mounts does he have in his house? I don't know, like, 40. No. And, like, almost all no, of them no, are no. banded. It's, like, 100. It's just, he has, like, banded mergansers and, like, all this stuff on the wall. It's like, oh, my God. Oh, that's cool. And oh the crazy God. thing is, too, so he's, like, out in western Minnesota, and he's shot, like, half the mounts on his wall that are sea ducks. Mm-hmm. He shot in South Dakota. Where I was telling really? you, yeah. where I was telling you earlier. Don't yep. say the location. Yep. Don't you dare. <laughs> I will share. I will sell this. Oh, just God, yeah. Kyle Jones already has a black market <laughs> auction going. Yeah. No. Yeah. It's just crazy though. Like yeah. he's just. It's insane. He's got so many stories too. Like he used to like. What did they do? Breed. They bred. Yeah, they bred birds forever. Oh, like he, he made hybrids and he's all just that. Wild, like he's man. a true bird nerd. Oh yeah, dude. Yeah. It's what's cool. The, what's the doctor's name from uh, X Men? The dude in the Xavier? Yeah, like he's a Dr. Xavier. Dr. Xavier for ducks. Like <laughs> for he's real though. Making mutants. Oh well, yeah. And he's almost bald like him too, so it's perfect. <laughs> it's a good fit. Exactly. That does he have the cheeky British accent too? No. Oh. No. No. He's got a Minnesota. cheeky Minnesotan accent though. Wow. It's even better. That's even, yeah, better. even better for sure. <laughs> you know, it's funny. We Kyle and I were just joking today. You know, it's it, I don't know why, but when I think of mallards and, and big green heads. Oh, they always turn in them big northern tree curlers. And, oh, yeah. Oh, here they come. Boys, look oh, up. Yeah. We've got the blue bulls. Get on. <laughs> you know, I mean, and that's when I think of duck hunting accents. They maybe think Arkansas or whatever, but, oh. you know, I know it's 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 that. Oh, you'll know heavy. it's a Saskatoon bird. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, bud. Shit, bud. Shit, they're coming, bud. <laughs> Make sure you wear your life jacket in the boat. <laughs> Unbelievable. We are disgusting Dude. people here. It's, <laughs> it's so funny, too, because our buddy Josh is here from Florida, and he, he grew up here with us. Mm-hmm. And yesterday we were hanging out with him, and he's like, my God. He's like, now that I moved away, I cannot believe the Minnesotan accents you guys have. I was like, are they that bad? So you guys tell us, it's, are they that it's bad? N- no, it's not as bad as some. Uh, yeah, it's, like, yeah. It's not like, honestly, the Wisconsin, Central, oh, and Northern oh, Wisconsin. Oh, yeah. Right. So yeah. Well, they're it, a different breed altogether. Yeah, that's, <laughs> totally. that's what I hear. Yeah, I know. But uh, <laughs> I like killing turkeys with yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. But, oh, uh, yeah. Now we're talking. But, but yeah, they've got they've got a complete different twang. If you, yeah. It, you know. Like, it, it's, it's like if you take a caramel apple and dip <laughs> it once. I love this. I love this. This is, this, is, this is kind of the Minnesota version of the Midwestern <laughs> accent. If you take the apple and throw it in a barrel of caramel, throw it in the back of a semi that's full of caramel, and then take the trailer <laughs> off the outside 
of that block of caramel. Oh, no. <laughs> then that's kind of Wisconsin. For a full-blown. This is not meant to offend yeah. anybody in Wisconsin, by the way. No. no. And if it does, good. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. The guys I Go know in Wisconsin, <laughs> I don't think they're going to care. <laughs> I don't think they give a shit what anyone you know, thinks that, about them. That, that's a very accurate... I, w- I was up there like a month ago, and that's so accurate. Yeah. No, and, and that's and that's the best part, honestly. You know, I... I just got done hunting over there, and I gotta say, I, I could get used to it too. You know, they they got a lot of good stuff. Oh yeah, going they on shoot birds. There's they do, they no do, pressure in exactly. Wisconsin, man. It's right. it's, it's they're one of different those, birds. We'll it's that out of this. Uh, yeah, right. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. <laughs> it's, it's it's terrible hunting. It's miserable. Don't do it. Um, but if you need me, I might be in Wisconsin. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I mean it. It's just one of those cool things where I felt like I was in a random. I don't corner of the twilight zone. You know, I was out there yeah. blowing a flute and you know, we were just, it was just awesome. It was, yeah. it wasn't quite the easy button, but I mean, it was, it was pretty sweet. Dude, that brings me, Oh, sorry. What were you going to say? It's just wild because I've been up there in the spring, the fall, uh, the summertime and you'll have, I mean, it's the same. I mean, it's the same, just like what we're talking about in Minnesota, Michigan, Wisconsin, but for some reason there, you will have geese on literally the smallest fields oh, yeah. that you could ever imagine. And they're like super hilly and and got rocks and all this different kind of other crap up in, in there. It. And it's, it's just different. Oh, yeah. and they're six feet from the road. Oh, yeah. There's oh. no ditch. The, well, the it's, corn right. is it's right because It's because the field's 47 yards wide. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's about right. No, it's so cool, too, because we were here. Well, Wade was here. Uh, Wade Shoemaker a couple weeks ago and we ended up in Wisconsin. We went to Wisconsin. My family has a cabin there and we met up with our buddy Noah and uh, we pulled out and it was, we pulled up to the spot and it was this tiny little, tiny little pond in the middle of a cornfield. Just like a depression. Yeah. Like a depression in a cornfield. And I'm like, we're hunting this. He's like, yeah, man, trust me. They're just piled up. There's a house like 80 yards behind us. And I'm like, this is so (laughs) Are you sure? And he's like, yeah, dude. (laughs) It's freaking me me out. And it's like, okay, don't shoot this way because you probably will yeah. pepper a car. Yeah, because you, you could kill way. their cat. Right. You know? oh, <laughs> yeah. Dude, we were like 30 <laughs> yards from the road, 80 yards from a house to the left, oh, yeah. 100 yards from a house to the weird. right. I was That's like, style. yeah, <laughs> it's well, I mean, it's, it's kind of, it kind of goes back to that small creek stuff. You know, if yeah. they don't, it's, I love big water and big water is a really special place and it's a cool yeah, atmosphere. Oh, yeah. and, and it's, if you haven't done it, you got to freaking do it. But the smaller you get, the tighter it has to be. It, mm-hmm. it, you're either going to get them or you're not. But when you get them, it is so cool. Uh, well, they have to work so much harder to get in they there. They do. And they're just committed. Well, and, and you can plan it out better, whether it's trees that are that are barricading them and, and funneling them in. I, I love I love using stuff like that to, to funnel birds. Man, we talked about it yesterday on our flight here. We're like, we're talking decoy spreads. Like, so Forrest and I, I've known Forrest since 2008. We've known each other since oh, wow. forever. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So through competition know, calling or? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And then just social media. Yeah. We're always checking in on each other. Yep. And it's an amazing tool if you use it right. It Amen. really, it really is. Totally. But uh, we were talking about decoy spreads yesterday and we were talking, you know, we don't get caught up in shapes and letters and all that stuff. Right. I'm looking for escape routes. Right. And you talk big water or bigger areas, man, there's a lot of more escape routes than Dude, your small type yeah. stuff. That's what know? I was going to say. Like, that's what I actually think is kind of cool about getting them to do it on big water too. Because it's like, 
and not that I don't love a small little hole or something yeah. too, but it's like big water. They have so many options. Right. Absolutely. You know it's, what I mean? It's, it's two sides of it. You know, if, if you're, if you're getting them on big water, you convinced them, you, you made them find you. Yeah. And then, you know, you, you had to be in the right spot and now they want to be exactly where you ask them to be. Right. And, and the small type stuff I think is really cool because you're, you're, forcing them to run the gauntlet in some place they know is dangerous that they know they could get caught in and totally. that it's going to be ugly and, and they know it. You can tell right, they, right. they'll still, <laughs> you know, um, like, like, Oh gosh, there was uh, I, I was just in Wisconsin hunting with the, uh, it's kind of a neat deal. Actually a guy I met in Ketchikan, Alaska. So my, my other job uh, that I've been doing the summers, I fly float planes uh, in Alaska, remote parts of it's it. It's just kind of badass, but it's just one of those. Yeah, random, a little bit. Some people do dirt bikes. Some people like, you know, <laughs> yeah. a tour to France. I just like float planes. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I, I met him up here and, and, he actually found me on Instagram said, hey, are you in Ketchikan? I'm like, yeah, how do you know me? Oh, I, I hunt ducks here. I've been following you on Instagram. That was the first time I'd had someone, like, make a connection. Yeah. And and he was super cool kid. We hung out, met his friends. We'd, you know, go around and blow calls and really disturb the people in this small coastal Alaskan town because they, nev- they've never heard big wads of mallards yeah. or, or speckle. I'm sitting there blowing speck calls with them and, and people are, you know, thinking I'm trying to do some sort of predator calling. Um, you know, <laughs> some it, crazy it just, ritual yeah, guys it, are out in the water. Exactly. Yeah. Um, thinking uh, native spirits are coming, yeah. coming oh, back to, to, to come after us. Um, no, it was, uh, anyway, we, we got to be friends there and, uh, and I was just out in Wisconsin and, uh, he's got family out there, and he was there with his buddy Chevy Dave. Chevy Dave. Chevy Dave. Yep, yep. And and that's how he introduced himself. He's a he's a character. He's a driving Ford hoot. or what? Uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> right, right, right. Loves Fords. Yeah. <laughs> so 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 things carry Jonathan, bud. Yeah, exactly. Well, Jonathan and uh, Chevy Dave, man, they they set us up and they took us to this field, and it's it was in some super hilly terrain. It was the same deal. It might have been. Uh, one and three quarter acres ish. I mean, it it was it was <laughs> tiny, stupid. Field. Someone's backyard, it, it, basically. I mean, yeah. yeah. And there were trees on one side and a big fence, and and then the hill on the other side. I mean, these geese had nowhere to come. And they said it's the same eighty-five keys that have been coming here. Uh, out, of, out of the eighty-five, uh, you know, like thirty percent or forty percent are banded. So it's like uh, it was one of those. We're going to target this. If it works, it's probably going to work. Yeah. If it doesn't, well. What else do we have to do? Yeah. So we took out, um, what do we have? I think we had four dozen silhouettes, uh, and we didn't even put them all out because it just felt weird. It felt like you were right. cramming too many decoys into into a spot. Uh, and sure enough, like 10 minutes before light, it was warm. It was like 70 degrees, super warm, not a breath of wind. These darn things come out. They work around the back of this hill and, and go like, I don't know, a mile and a half out of their way to come around this hill, follow the draw up. And sure enough, these things came in right between the two trees we set up to make them come between. Came right across us in front of us. We set it up so it was like a, a it was a quartering away shot, but they had to come over at like seven yards between oh us. Like yeah. like there were there were there were two trees like twenty yards out <laughs> on our left, and and we brought them on the inside of that pinch, and uh, and we pulled up, and uh, gosh, I, I think we killed. I don't know. It was it was five or six out of that group. Um, <laughs> and only only three of us were shooting, and sure enough, we found a band. And I mean, it was just oh, one of man. those deals where it was like, you know, we shot into one flock, and I was just as satisfied killing those birds and making happen exactly what we wanted to happen 
Uh, those birds worked exactly like we asked them to, exactly how we you know envisioned it in our minds. Um, and it just felt like you really, you know, drew it up and it, and it actually happened that way. And it, you, it just doesn't happen that way in waterfowling. You know no. what I mean? It's like any, anything else that it just doesn't go as planned. And that's why it's so exciting. But when it really does, man, it makes you kind of feel like, you know, something. Yeah. And then you go out on the next hunt and get skunked and realize, you right. know, <laughs> you just got lucky. Yeah. But, um, yeah. you know, it, it's just so cool when you can get stuff like that to line up and, you know, it, it's a pretty special feeling. Yeah, and that's the difference, man, between going and not going. Exactly. To be honest. That's that's, that's exactly it. Yeah. Because I, I was exhausted. Go. That was day uh, seven of an eight-day trip. And I had, I mean, it was one of these deals where I, I flew the airplane out there. We flew from Colorado to eastern Michigan, um, mostly in the dark, because Cade had just finished, uh, Cade Tricky uh, with Dive Bomb had just finished up one of his trips in Alaska. And he had gotten into Denver at noon. Well, we didn't get out of Denver or Longmont where the uh, where dive bomb ones kept until like two thirty Mountain Time. So we flew from there all the way out to Eastern Michigan. Um, you know, stopped once for gas, that kind of thing. Crossed Lake Lake Michigan in the dark in an airplane with wheels and one engine. So I mean, it was just one of those like there's there's stuff that can go wrong, and and it was not a, a stress free trip. Landed at uh, two in the morning Eastern time, so you got the big time zone change, and it's just a, a long flight. Uh, and, and then it just one of those things, you know. You always I'm going to take a nap today. I need I need to rest. I need to take care of myself. Well, five days and zero naps right. later, <laughs> yeah. you realize. Oh, that was a nice idea. Yeah, um, we said that this morning. Yeah, too. Ex- ex- yeah. I'm sure I, I would really kill for a nap. Yeah, yeah. Did you uh-huh. take a nap today? No. Nope. Yeah. No. Perfect. We're, we're, we're planning on taking one here in a couple hours. Uh, yeah. Where it's, when until it's tomorrow. Hours. Yeah. 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 Until tomorrow. Perfect. God. Just an extended nap. Yeah. But yeah. you know, it, it comes down to yeah. What do you want to do? Well, do you, do you really want an apple? I mean, I can nap in the spring. Well, maybe not right. spring because we're yeah. in Turkey. Maybe Mm-mm. I can na- I can nap in the summer. Well, fish. I'll get a nap somewhere. You know, it's fine. Yeah. We'll, we'll just roll yeah. it in somewhere. Oh yeah. Yep. You'll get a nap after you have your kid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, oh no. Uh-uh. <laughs> That's perfect. Well, hey, I feel like we've heard a lot of your stories. So, Kyle, you have any crazy hunting stories you want to tell us about? I mean, I know you've been all over and hunted all over. So what are some of the coolest experiences you've had? Um, Man, back when I was 13, this is a long time ago. Um, I was going to say, what, two years ago? Or what? Yeah, this <laughs> was a very long time ago. No, one of, one of my fondest memories of on a duck hunt was um, I've always, like, up until a few years ago, I've, I've always been freaked out about, like, wading in water. Always. Wading in water? Like, wading out in like waist deep chest deep water right and i've just like started to get over that and it's awkward because you're a duck hunter and so you're just like looking at everybody like putting out their spread and yeah. you're putting out the spread too and you're just like god damn i'm like, throwing them from, <laughs> i'll throw them from <laughs> yep, here guys yep. so um but back when i was younger i remember we were crossing in western washington it's all glacier fed rivers all glacier fret or snow runoff rivers so they're all That's extremely cool. cold oh sure and they're all extremely fast moving right um but during that time of year um they have in particular areas you know you can duck hunt and you can salmon fish at the same time right That's so, so we were sick we were walking by salmon fishermen to go duck hunting right unreal. and i remember unreal i remember <laughs> crossing the river and salmon 
were hitting my legs, right? So I'm like sitting there as a kid. I'm just like, oh my God, what's going on? So this is like, Sam and Ron. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah, this yeah, is yeah. Right. You're 13. It, yes, dude. Oh, real. So yes. I, that's, I, that's how bad it was. I was traumatized from this. So I was, <laughs> so I like cross the river and you can't like move super fast because these Current. river, I mean, well, the rocks are like ice, you know, they're just oh, like good. slick, you know, they got this like film of, I don't know, what is it, algae? Yeah, it's, it's just algae. nasty algae. Yeah. yeah, I mean, Forrest knows, he's he does salmon stuff, but, you know, it's like, it's, it's you, it was the one of the scariest moments, but we crushed the ducks, so. That well, was what did you shoot that day? Is it like oh, a mallard deal? No, or we shot, it? I mean, we came up onto a pond, um, set up got all of these stories we, right we like shot a pond. <laughs> yeah we <laughs> shot off of the river so yeah. like we shot goldeneye we shot bufflehead we shot widgeon mallard teal all oh my God. all in one day teal and goldeneye in the same bout huh? yes just a perfect yes. back <laughs> yeah well so the the goldeneye we would we could sit with our backs to the river and face the pond right there's oh, like wow. a little thin stretch of land in between that so you could hear the gold obviously you know, golden eye <laughs> exactly so we would turn and we could shoot the golden eyes on in the, the river, river unreal yep oh and then dude, and shoot puddlers in the pond yeah it Fuck was off dude. it was just, <laughs> so sick. it was it was cool man it was it was you know it's one of the i mean heck i'm almost 29 years old and that's still something that still is ingrained in the back of my mind you know? never so, forget it man you no, never forget that stuff absolutely not absolutely not and then i mean there's another hunt you know one of my it's it was crazy because my buddy john we when we lived in michigan he wanted to shoot a black duck so bad like so badly yep. right yep. i me know too. me too yeah and i'm like i'm like john like let's just find some duck feeds in michigan we can go kill some right and because every year we had i had with my buddies shot a lot of black ducks right you know we we'd see like <laughs> we saw one black duck today yeah but out Very of like cool. the amount of we saw what 600 to 650 mallards today yeah about. and that's a lot yeah that's a good number yeah. Of so in michigan if you're seeing that many circling your spread or in a field working you're gonna have probably five or six black ducks in there maybe more maybe like three or four so I'm like, John, let's just let's just hunt Michigan, dude. And he's like, No, I, I really want to go. So I started reaching out, and I actually reached out to John Walls in Delaware, Sick. and his buddies and his buddy Dallas. John couldn't hunt the next day, and uh, but Dallas could, and they both had permission on the same spot. So they were like, they worked it out. We left at nine o'clock at night, got there at seven. Perfect. In the morning, right? <laughs> Seven oh like six. Oh, so you drove from Michigan to the east to Delaware to Delaware overnight. for a black duck? No, no, no. Well, we did. Yeah, <laughs> we didn't even shoot a black duck, dude. That's perfect. No, we didn't. we shot we shot Canada geese, we shot Brant, and we shot uh, buffleheads. That's it. Uh, but unreal. On the shooting time was like seven oh five or seven oh six, and he's like giving us a dropping us a pin to go shoot these Canada geese because we want to shoot some eastern east coast canada geese they're supposedly bigger the toughest geese in the world that is shots fired at those east coast guys <laughs> they're not so as in like harder to kill or they're just like tougher supposedly birds there's a lot of people on the internet that say they are the toughest and yeah, smartest canada geese. well trevor yeah. shanahan will tell you that every oh, day of yeah. the week <laughs> perfect yeah uh, uh, <laughs> so 
So yeah, so we we show up at like seven, right? <laughs> <laughs> shooting t- shooting time is seven oh six, and we pull up to the spot, and I see them all getting getting ready, and he's like, "Oh, dude, it's a it's an old golf course. It's an old golf course. Yes, so you maintain it." I'm like, "Sweet, we're gonna be hunting like a like a fairway or something." No, we were hunting the putting green. Literally, what? literally, literally, this was, it was like 40 to 50 yards wide to 30 to 40 yards across. Right. And they, they Dude. like maintained it like super, super well. And there's a giant cedar blind. So it looked like a putting green still. Oh dude, you could, you, you could have put out it. there and practice your daily putt every single day. Bluegrass. Yep. Oh, and, yeah. uh, so we're sitting there and there's a giant cedar blind underneath this giant pine tree. And we're sitting there, and I'm talking the most live Canada geese I've ever seen come off of one spot. Just started. Like vocal? No, no, no. Like just coming out of one, like, roost, right? Just like thousands of Canada geese coming out of this one roost. So we're sitting there. He's like, they're going to go. And Dallas, he's like, they're going to go to this spot, and then they're going to come back. So it's going to be like 8 o'clock by the time we shoot our geese. I was like, Okay, that's fine, dude. I'm I'm hunting. I oh, an hour? Yeah, I don't really care. Okay, um, so we're we, these geese. They went to a prison, right? And then they came back. And this is Delaware. This these are not coast. smart geese. Okay, yeah. they're going to the prison. <laughs> this is yeah, go, Delaware. Go to prison, then come back. Yeah, then you come so, back. Yeah, I mean, pretty pretty standard. I get it. What, yeah, what comes yeah. after that? I mean. So we we saw all these geese coming back. So we just started we started calling and. It was actually, I mean, we started calling pretty aggressively, and I typically don't call that aggressive uh, out the gate. And I was just following him because, I mean, he knows these geese. He's he's hunted these all the time. And sure enough, we probably have between 100 to 120 geese landing, right? Yes. In this putting green. Unbelievable. Trying to, trying to get in. And, there's dude, there's no way they're getting out. I mean, I mean, if you would have had 30 dudes in there, all those geese would have died. Like, it was just, like, <sighs> thrown straight in, up. It was, like, thrown a net in there. It was, it was like, mallards in the timber trying to get out, right? Right. It was, it was, so we start, I mean, he, Dallas calls a shot, and we start shooting. I had two shells in my gun. I mm, already, already limited out. Like, uh, and I was, well, like. Because is it two or one? Uh, It was two when I was there. Okay. Maybe it was three. But I know that I had two shells left in my gun, and I would already killed out. Like, I was like, oh, shit. Uh, you know, like, <laughs> it, it was just one of those cool, really cool moments that, like, you just don't ever forget that. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, man, we put geese 10 yards in front of us, 15 yards in front of us, and a lot of them, you know. Right. And they were all big honkers. You know, that's, like, this is a cool moment. So. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Yeah. That so, reminds me of a story real quick. Sorry. Hold on. Nope. Hold on. Uh, Where are the toughest ow. geese then? <laughs> That's a good question, the, right? Minnesota. <laughs> well, we haven't killed a Minnesota goose yet. So That's, there you AKA go. AKA the toughest goose. So on the on, there honest, you go. Yeah. Honestly, <laughs> and and this is coming from for me personally. Yeah. Um, the toughest geese, I would say, are actually like mid to late October Canada geese around the Quill Lakes. Because those, because those geese are getting hunted every single day from September 1st all the way up until whenever season closes. So there's, and they they see everything. They see 
all these different freelancers. They see all these different outfitters that are up there. They sure. see, and then they see the local guys, right? Those were have personally given me more fits than most of your Canada geese in the states. You know, yeah, um, makes so, sense. Yeah, hundred percent. That's October here for Minnesota is you are hard pressed to kill a limited geese in October. It there's unless you get a big like weather front. They are so tough. Yeah. They've been here for a month. We haven't gotten a new push yet. They've it's been getting hunted. Moon. People hunt hard here. We yeah. have a full moon here, so they eat at night. Yeah. It's a nightmare. Oh, I see. So. I follow, like, everybody on Snapchat that lives in Minnesota, and it, uh, I don't know if anybody works here. Like, ah, everybody's goose hunting. Yeah. Everybody's <laughs> goose hunting. Yeah, that's real, like, actually. What? Yeah. <laughs> It's like we have like an in Arkansas. I mean, that's right. Like, yeah, we got, yeah, you know, yeah. a 60 day season or whatever. And yep, I'm going to hunt 59 and a half of them. Yeah. That kind of, I mean, that kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier. Like our, the tradition here of waterfowling is extremely rich. It's know? really strong. Yeah. It is very strong. So yeah. I mean, I think Minnesota has the most, we, what is it? We purchased the most duck stamps per oh, yeah. Per capita. capita, Scott Trina yeah. will let you know at the Burlington IWA or Dude. Burlington Goose, Goose yeah, Calling Contest. Every oh single yeah. year. He's an MC, right? And he's yeah. like, oh yeah. What state kills the most Canada geese every single year? And he has this dumbass smirk on his face. Oh, oh yeah, I know. And he's like, oh, oh yeah, Minnesota. <laughs> yeah. Like, every single question yeah. will have the answer of Minnesota. It's not. A, it, it's hilarious. So. Where yeah. are the best looking goose callers from? Uh, <laughs> <Minnesota>. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Oh my oh gosh. My gosh. Okay, so what me. what I want to get in with yeah. you guys is uh you are both some of the best callers that I've heard yeah. like ever, okay? Especially in our generation cuz how old are you for us? Uh 30. 30 yeah, and so. you're 29? Yeah. Okay. Young guys, yeah. So we're 27, 28. Okay. So like Obviously, you guys grew up doing it and stuff. You've been doing it since 13. I'm sure you've been doing it since the same age, too. I'm not going to be like, when was the first duck you killed? Like, because that no one gives a shit. But however, like what made you pursue the high level of calling and just waterfowling in general? Like what made you get so focused on it and practice hour after hour after hour? Well, yeah. And the cool thing for you, Kyle, was because you were saying earlier, like you what you got taken by people that didn't even duck hunt. Yeah. Right. It was like they were just taking you because you wanted to go. Totally. So, um, as far as from my standpoint of it, I was I grew up extremely competitive. I played travel baseball all the time, all the all the time, like 10, 11 months out of the year. I was playing travel baseball. Sure. And I know Forrest was extremely competitive as well. Um, but like that part of it is what helped me elevate my game but having you know the i just wanted to get entranced like completely entranced in waterfowling and i met the right mentors mm. right that were just like they were teaching me the ways and then they were just like man like maybe you're getting good dude like just go compete like jump on stage if you hate it don't do it again but if you love it just keep doing it and then i mean back 10 15 years ago like if you wanted to be involved in the outdoor industry, had to go to college. You had to compete. Look at Kelly Powers, Scott Trinan, Chad Belding. The ground. I mean, grounds is he's a little different because he built. He's a godfather. That, yeah, yeah. So, but you know, it's it's just different because that's Fred Zink, you know, uh, Field Hudnall, all those guys that were getting 
all these outdoor industry jobs, right? If you want to get in the outdoor industry, especially the waterfowl world, you probably would want to need to be a world champion or, or at least start competitive calling, you know, yeah, uh, and be good at it and then carry yourself in a way that's extremely professional. Um, and, and just always have a high level, you know, high character level. Right. And so these mentors were like instilling that in me from a very young age. Who, who were yours? So the first guy that got me, he encouraged me to go in my first goose con contest. His name was Bill Hawk. And he's still like one of those OG killers. Like, Oh yeah. Go to, I mean, he's a, he's a stud when yep. it comes to killing geese. Like he's not on social media. He's not in a magazine. But that's the guy you look, he's up had a full lanyard for the past 15 years and could care less if he ever shoots another band because the dude just flat out kills it, And he doesn't, he barely even goose hunts anymore. Right. He just, he goes in deer hunts and then, uh, because you know just because of other reasons but i mean he introduced me to george lynch who owns lynch mob or owned lynch I forgot mob calls yeah yep. so and then i was actually blowing his call uh whenever i first competed um got my butt whooped got like fourth or fifth in a goose calling contest oh, butt whooped and then <laughs> Not. that kind of just <laughs> escalated everything because as a highly you know competitive person I, I did not like the feeling of not being, of not having my name called yeah. as first, second, or third. Yeah. You know, and then it got to a point where I was pissed if I got second or third, which that, I mean, that's kind of just. It's to be semantics almost. Imma well, immaturity. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's, there was signs of immaturity with that too, but which I grew out of because now contest calling, I just enjoy. Yeah. Because those are, those are my, tr like, those are my lifelong friends. I've created so many great friends through mm -hmm. contest calling. Um, but that, I mean, I quit travel baseball on a Friday night, met Fred Zink on Saturday. So it was just like, <laughs> yeah, kind of one of those deals. It was kind of like a, here's your sign type deal. Yeah, you know totally, what I'm saying? Totally. So, and that was, that was why I wanted to get into contest calling. And, you know, I won in 2008, I won junior worlds. And ever since then, having your name called in Easton, it hits hard. Yeah. It I hits, can't even imagine. It it hits so incredibly hard that for I mean it took ten years to get back to two thousand eighteen when I won the senior worlds. But yeah. like there was nothing I wanted more. Once I got back in the contest calling and going hard at it that I wanted more than to to hear that. You know, that yeah. those stepping out from the Stepping out from the behind, you know, the behind the curtain into the light in Easton, is it, is it, it is it just a, a feeling of just overwhelming emotion? doesn't matter if you're in first, second, or third round. Force has won a couple different. You've won Junior Worlds. You've won Live Goose. And then you've been at finals. Mason Dixon, World Live Tuck. I mean, I've, I've been in the finals in all of them. I've been, I've been really fortunate to be there and do it a lot. But it, 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 it's the best way I can describe stepping out into that spotlight is it's just fire. And it's not just the heat of the spotlight. It's, it's the emotions. It's the adrenaline. It's everything adding up. It's, it's the, this year's compilation of hard work and it all just combusts in your chest and your throat. And there is no feeling on earth like that. Yes, it is. It is so emotional, but whenever you step in front of that and under that light, 
it feels like you have a thousand pounds on your shoulders because you know that everybody that cares about contest calling and everybody that knows who you are and what you can bring to the table is watching you in that 90 seconds right now. Sure. Exactly. Well, now yeah. it lives on the internet forever too. A- absolutely. Yeah. So they're, they're all watching, right? <coughs> so it's just, that is just, just a feeling in itself. Sure. So, so you would say, so just to not to sum all that up, but like, you would say it's mostly your competitive nature, and then once you got into it, it's like, okay, I just want to be the best, yeah, essentially. Absolutely. I mean, I, you got to take your, your losses, absolutely. You know, and it was – it just was competitive nature for sure, but, man, I didn't – Well, it pe- sound, sounds like, too, it's a lot of gratification. Yeah. You know, like, once you're there and you feel like, wow, like, I competed to get here. I did this. All the work I put in, like, even if I don't get first, which is obviously yeah. what everybody wants that's competitive enough to get there, just being there is a privilege. Yeah. You know, and you're, like, on a pedestal, you know? Like, you've put yourself in a place where you're respected and, you know, you feel like you've earned something that a lot of people don't get to. Mm. So that's pretty cool, too. Yeah. I'm sure that's a big part of it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then, I mean, there was also, like a couple other times where it was like, there's a lot of pressure too. Cause well, man, yeah. Well, expectations well, to a certain ex- point too. Expecta- well, shoot man. Like 2007, I started contest calling 2008, won junior worlds. No shit. You know I didn't know you won you, junior worlds. You, so like your, so people are like, damn dude, like this kid's fire. And then 10 years, 10 years go by, you know what I'm saying? So like 2016, uh, I took, I tied, I think I tied for like seventh. Right. And then two thousand two thousand seventeen I took fourth or third. And so there was just so much pressure. And then you add in like two thousand seventeen working for a call company. Right. And you right. you're right. just oh, yeah. like, dude, I don't want to let people down. I've got you know, there's a lot there was a lot of pressure there too. Well I was so, gonna yeah. I was gonna say, because you were tuning up calls for them mm-hmm. and do you think that was like a huge thing? Like you're, like you're literally blowing calls every day for your job. Mm-hmm. So you can essentially practice your routine on every call that you're tuning up. Uh, no. Do you think that was like a certain part of it or no? no, man, I, I, I took, I thought I took tuning calls completely different from practice. Really? Like, cause it's just, it's just a different well, tune differently too, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. And it's funny too. Cause like, I almost thought in my head, like if you were tuning calls all day, that might actually make it harder to commit constantly to like what your routine is you, and stuff. Yeah. You get in terrible habits. Yeah. Like, cause you're saying, I mean, depending on, I mean, I could have been tuning polycarbs or could have been tuning acrylics. Right. Right. So polycarbs, man, I, I'm looking at 3000 calls that I've got to get tuned by the end of July. Right. And I'm right. getting them in April, you know, so I'm sitting down there just, just trying to, I'm, I'm wanting to go through the motions of these goose calls, right? So, and then each one is getting, you know, you're doing the same thing on each one. You're doing, and you set the call down, and then that gets ingrained in you. Yeah, oh, totally. Sure, you know? yeah. So then you're just kind of like off your game. So, yeah. you know, uh, the the fr- and the first couple contests were, were struggle. There, there's pretty bad struggle points of like the August ones and then September. But I, my goal was I want to have all of my calls tuned hopefully before September. Yeah. So then, I mean, it's all eyes on November. Yeah. You know, so 
Yeah. yeah. So I never would have thought of it that way. I would have figured with you blowing a call so much that you're essentially practiced up, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, it, instead crazy. you work bad habits into right. it and you're not focused on your routine because a polycarb can't do a competition style anything, you, nor should you be tuning a polycarb. Oh, and that's, that's, for that. the, that's the thing is like, I couldn't, I mean, if I could, I could hand my call, my competition call to certain people and they'll be able to do what they need to do on it. Mm-hmm. But I, I mean, I, that's like polar opposites. I mean, that thing is like three and a half lungs heavy. Cause I have to tune it heavier because nerves get sure. to you on top of it. So then you're just like, you don't want to overblow it. You don't want to stick it or anything like that. So it's, there's a lot of other factors into it, especially, I mean, from a, from a, uh, like just a tuned being tuned heavy versus tuned really, from someone buying it. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I want, I mean, that was, yeah. I mean, and that's God, where that would fuck with my head so hard. <laughs> like, well, like, I mean, mess me up, man. There's very, very few call companies now that will sit down and custom tune, you know, their calls. Right. Like, and, and we're, I mean, we're trying to get as many out the door as we can. Cause that's, yeah. you know, it's revenue. Right. Yeah. But and, you don't want to sacrifice quality. Yeah. Right. And, but, uh, so we're all trying to, most of us are trying to tune it to be where anybody can pick up the call and blow the call. And that's yeah. why Fred Zink killed the game with the polycarbs because he created a call that was easy to blow and yeah. he had the instructional DV that came with it too. Right. Yeah. But that's why, cause nobody was sitting there like at the call counter be like, man, I can't do, I can't blow this thing. And then they're sitting there trying to take the thing apart. And that's exactly what you don't want. Yeah. Right? So, yeah. But yeah. What about for you, Forrest? Like what got you, is it sort of a similar story or? Well, uh, can I do a little pretext yeah, here? Yeah. Okay. So you can blow the hell out of a duck call, you can blow the hell out of a can of goose call. And I don't think I've ever heard a better spec caller. Oh, then you over over the internet. Let's well, just say I, I appreciate it. That shit, they're definitely nuts, there's dude. definitely better folks out there than me with all of that stuff. Well, you're extremely but, humble, but, but yeah, I, okay. I appreciate it. But yeah. um, it's so I would echo everything that Kyle said. Um, that was very so, well. So it, it was it was it was yeah. well spoken. So many of those things are, are exactly the same. Uh, I got my start. I was 11, um, you know, and I dad bought me a duck call. I'd been hunting for a few months. Um, and, and just wanted the birds to get closer, but I'm a very obsessive type person. Doesn't matter what I do, whether it's hunting, fly fishing, flying airplanes, uh, taking pictures. It's just, I, I think it's a mixture of obsession and competitiveness where I hate losing. I, I love to win, but I hate, hate losing. Uh, and, and I don't, I don't feel like that's necessarily, like you say, kind of an immature thing. I think it's one of those things where I don't want to beat myself more than anything. And it's, yeah. and it's just one yeah, of those totally. super, super high standards kind of thing. Uh, and, and then it was obsessive to the point where, you know, I want to know everything about these birds. What noises do wood ducks make in what point of the year and why? You know, right. what, what what is the reasoning behind all this? And specs are my you know biggest recent obsession. And, and I could sit here and listen to recordings of all this stuff. But it's just... That's just kind of my nature. So at, at 11, I called into a random uh, uh, radio show that was giving away tickets to a sportsman's exposition. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I won these, got introduced to a guy who set me up with uh, Mike Keller uh, of Big Guy's Best Calls uh, out of Kansas City, Missouri. 
And uh, Mike actually taught me how to blow a duck call over the phone. And I really had no desire to... Over the phone? Over the phone. Oh. Over the phone. It was yes. it was pretty wild. Um, this is back when we had landlines. So that was, that was another Some old interesting... Shit. Exactly. I you couldn't old get too breath. far away. Oh, right? <laughs> I know. Uh, you couldn't get too far away from the receiver. So I, I, I'd go out to the garage. And it, anyway, I, I, I practiced a long time and uh, eventually said, you know... Why don't same kind of deal? Why don't you blow in a contest? Come out to Kansas City, get you blowing here, and uh, fell in love with it. And I went. This was, I think, nine months later. I went and blew in Junior World Duck in Stuttgart uh, and got second in that. And that's what kind of really lit my fire. So the and same how old kind of were thing. You? Uh, Eleven. Holy Did, shit! Didn't you, was, didn't you win? Didn't you win like an intermediate or junior? I've, world n- I've never won a contest in Stuttgart, and that's one that eats at me. Oh, bad. Bad, but you did win Main bad. Street, though. Uh, no, no, no. I've I've been in the top ten, uh, and I've been right there, and I know I can do it. But it just, I I haven't put it together yet, you know. And it's there's, one of those things. There's something about Main Street, though, because I've judged it a couple times, and first of all, it drives me nuts because it, it's just the same thing over and over and over again. It's like, okay, who's gonna mess up? Same song, different singer. Yeah, yep. and, and there, and it's getting now. It's not as bad as it used to be. It's getting now to where you can differentiate yourself a little bit, but it's not like a goose calling contest no. where there's. Granted, there might be three popular ways to do a comeback call, but there's a million ways you could do it in a goose routine. Mm-hmm. Uh, in a duck routine, it is three high toppers. Uh, if you want to throw in a fourth one, good freaking luck. You'll probably get cut, but you might one in a million chance be that one guy. You might be the Jim Ronquest, the guy who blows that off the wall, super technical routine. Uh, that the you know, if you manage to put it together three times in a row, you'll probably win it. But right. more likely than not, you're going to screw it up. So I mean, it, it does end up being the same song uh, over and over and over and over again. And uh, you know, a guy could kind of fall in love with that too. You know, there's there's aspects of that perfection and precision and being able to repeat it to where your hail calls are 53 notes, 48 notes, uh, and, and then, you know, 37 notes. And, and doing that time and time and time and time and time again, uh, you know, and it's, it's, it's something an OCD person could really get into. Mm. But, you know, uh, <laughs> same same kind of thing after that. You know, I, I got into goose hunting because Colorado's got a lot of geese, and I really loved shooting geese. Uh, didn't really have anyone to teach me in the beginning, so I kind of taught myself the basics uh, and then started blowing in goose calling contests, and everybody was super helpful from Jeff Foyles uh, to Fred Zink, and, and Saunders helped me a little here and there. Uh, but Tim Grounds really came forward and – offered his help. And, and that was just the guy Tim was. I mean, whether whether you asked for it or not, Tim was right there with, with a hand on the back of your shoulder and the other hand on your chest, you know, squaring <laughs> you up or, or yep. grabbing you by the ear and, and pulling yep. it to where it felt like your ear was going to rip off and pulling you close and telling, good job, bub. Man, you, you did that. If, if, you, if you wouldn't have done that, you, you'd have won this. But, man, you, you'll get him next time. That, that was awesome, man. I'm proud of you. And it's like, I don't know this dude, but mm. yeah, he, <laughs> but you feel like he's you do. proud of me, right? Yeah. And, and when I was twelve, it was kind of weird, but um, you know, it, he he just ended up growing into family, and the grounds family became my family, and I don't just mean Hunter and Judah and uh, you know the, the the whole grounds family. I mean everybody that blows a grounds call, and right. uh, you know if, if you you've been part of a calling team, you you kind of know what it's like, and and it's it's a pretty cool deal. So, um. Traveled around uh, when I turned fifteen. Uh, John David Stanley, the third, uh, mm. my man. He, he's he's my brother. Uh, you know, we we 
he lived in Colorado at the time. He taught me a lot, a lot, a lot about, uh, you know, how to kill birds. And we would drive all over the country, hunt everywhere we could. We'd go, uh, we hunted the Baumita uh, in Stuttgart for the first time together. We just Sick. walked in, swung the bat, and had a great time. I mean, we, we just did all sorts of random stuff like that. But on these uh, six to 20-hour road trips, we would sit there and blow calls the whole way. And I was, you know, starting, I think when, when we started doing this, I was 14. And John David blew one of the stiffer calls ever, whether it was contest duck call, goose call, didn't matter. It was stiff. So I wanted to blow a stiff call like him, and I just blew his calls and built myself up. And um, I found that, that one of my talents in contest calling is copying. Um, you know, I can come up with a, a thing here or there, or a, a sequence that's nice, but I'm, I'm like a... Sponge. Yeah, yeah. I, I just I soak it up and I regurgitate it and I copy it. And you know, I that that was one of those things. I I, I just copied John David and, and he taught me so much of, of what I knew how to do. And it got to the point where we were going back and forth and and he'd win one or I'd win one or you know we'd take second and third somewhere and and it was just you know that fun competitive drive. That same thing. Baseball, man. I, I played baseball forever, but you know it, it's just the. The, the desire to win just kept going and going and going. And man, I mean, it just lit my fire and, and I couldn't, I couldn't stop travel anywhere. Didn't matter. It was my world. Like, girls. Yeah, sure. Great. Wonderful. But, but contest duck call. <laughs> yeah. man, let me tell you this, this yeah. right here. Yeah. No, I mean, it was, it was awesome. And uh, you know, to be able to be a part of it in both the, the duck and goose side of things. Uh, and I, I say it like it was past tense. I've been so caught up the past seven years uh, chasing a flying career, flying float planes through all of the contest season that I've kind of faded away. I still come through and, and I go and I qualify for world duck. And I, I try to remind people that I'm, I'm still uh, lurking in the woods uh, and, you know, yeah. but, but, but now with, with things going really well with dive bomb and, and I, I love working there and it's a company that I believe in. Um, yeah, it's, it's what I want to do. And, uh, I, I think it's going to be to where I am not going to Alaska in the summers anymore. And I want to get back into that contest circuit really? and really, really, really you know, give it a nice hard push to give, you know, these youngsters like Kyle a little bit of a run for their money, you know? Sure. Youngsters, one year. Slap them up a little bit. Well, I mean, only if he likes it. We did establish that last night that we are going to compete at Two Man World Goose together. So really nice. Oh yeah. Hell so yeah. We're gonna. Yeah, that has to be recorded. Okay. Piece something. Oh, we'll be, I'm sure. I'm hoping. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's gonna be fun. It'll That's be, awesome. It's, gonna, it's it's just one of those things, you know. Uh, you know, he and I are gonna be spending a lot of time together, and anytime you can kind of get that chemistry, uh, even if it's just. Uh, you know, hunting together, you start to learn how to feed off each other and and bounce back back and forth and and get these supernatural cadences that uh, you just can't. Most most two man contests, I think you would agree, uh, are spur of the moment. Like, hey, you want to sign up? Yep. Do you want to be on our team? How about you? You want to be on our team? And forty and, bucks. And Didn't not, you yeah, win? Exactly. Didn't you win in Game Fair one year? I've Was never it? competed. I thought it was you. Mm-mm. Okay. Awkward. Carry on. Carry on. Yeah. Um, no, uh, and and you you get this stuff together with three guys, and you come up with three variations of a goose calling routine, and you got to remember who's leading which routine, and yeah. and which notes are signaling this. It gets it, mushed together. And and if you watch these contests that are last second like this, about a third of them, someone screws up, and you know the guys end up making awkward eye contact or, or taking a big <laughs> sigh, you know, in the middle of a breath or. Uh, you know, I mean, it, you can tell it just doesn't go as planned. But when you get to hunt with people 
over and over and over again to where when you hear him start something, even subconsciously, you know what you're supposed to do. Uh, you know, it's that kind of uh, chemistry that, that really creates some awesome stuff like field man uh when when uh, field and freddie would do some stuff or, mm-hmm. or when you got into it more when you and field would blow together i mean it was just cool listening to some of the stuff that you guys do hunter and tim man. Oh, just super synced up hunter and tim but hunter and dp oh yes Dude, they, like, they were the greatest DP? two man uh, da- david paul dameron yeah, david paul. okay yeah, they uh, and even Derek. Uh, yeah, you know those those three guys kind of made uh, a few different teams uh, where they would go through and just mop up, and it was like the what two thousand and really two thousand to like two thousand and six, two thousand seven. If there was a two man goose calling contest, and those three guys were there, you could kind of just write off being in the money. Yeah, because <laughs> they they were brothers. They yep. literally traveled the country, blowing in these things together. And had these things down to where, um, I think most routines done in a in a solo fashion, you could get away with you know losing yourself, but you kind of work your way to the same spot eventually. With a two man contest, if you are not on the same page, you know stride for stride, it, it's a train wreck and it hurts. <clears throat> oh, yeah. I, I can confidently say so. Hunter and DP have never competed at two man world goose together. Every sing- since two thousand seven. When I started contest calling, I have never seen them lose a two-man goose calling contest. Really? Yes. Like, it, it, like please YouTube it. Like, Hunter Grounds, David Dameron, go to callingducks.com and listen to their two-man goose routine. It is flawless. I'm really? talking. I'm talking. I'm to, like Scott Tr- and like, everything. Like, Scott Trine and Mike Benjamin, two-man live goose, yeah. right, at Rogers. Do we... Did we? Did I listen? We listened to that. We, yeah, yeah. We that's disgusting. That. Yeah, yeah. So like them, right? Dude, <laughs> like then Unreal. you. But then you add in the whole ninety-second routine. Hunter Grounds, greatest of all time. Mm-hmm. DP, who's, I mean, he's top top ten. Unbelievable. He's. I mean, he's great. He's a great goose caller. I don't he's know just, who that is. He's. He's just a. He's just an old grounds caller. That I mean, he's what 35? Yeah, yeah. He's, he's Hunter's agent. Yeah, yeah. So, but. He was he was one of those guys that was always at every single goose calling contest and was always taking the top three, top five positions, winning. But it was he's they're just a powerhouse together. I mean, I mean, I, I guarantee you, if they took, I, I bet they haven't blown a two man routine in a year. Yep. If you put them together right here, right now, they would blow it perfectly, flawless, right now, easy. Hey, hey, here's a goose call. Here's a goose call. Let's let's hear it. And then just yeah, you leading her. Okay, same as always. Great. Here we go. One, two, three, four. And you know, I'm just. I would put a lot it. of money on it. I would put. A, I would be very confident in that bet too. So yeah. so cool, man. I I was fortunate enough to hunt with uh, Tim and Hunter way back. In the, I was four. They used to come to our cabin in Laquaparl all the time, every year. I was way too young to like remember it, but there's pictures and all that, and. My dad has, like, some sort of, like, video cassette tape that I'm still trying to Amazing. find 20 years later. It's like a and, pizza box and that I has a recording it, of a video somehow. Pretty much. Yeah. It's, like, older than an 8-track, probably. <laughs> but it's Tim blowing a call, and it's just disgusting. Yeah. It's it's so gross, man. Yeah. And I yeah. think you said Hunter's how old? 34, 33. So he's 6, 7 years older than yeah. me. He was yeah. 18 when he won in 2007, right? No, he right. was 16. No, no, no. He was 15. No, that, that was his last, world, first one. Yeah. his last world's was he was 18. 
Really? Yes. He got. He was. I think. I I don't know if it was maybe it's twenty. He's he's around our age, a couple yeah. years older. I, yeah. I think he's 32, 33. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's the goat. Man, I mean, and, and it's amazing. Uh, you know, you, you hear all sorts of people with different stories, but I mean, when there's when, when a kid who was you know six or seven at the time is included in the conversation of who invented the spit note, I mean. The spit note, the note that 90% of these technical notes are based off of and the super goosey stuff. You're talking about a seven-year-old kid, um, you know, who, who granted, don't get me wrong, Tim, spectacular. And, and there is no one in my mind that even holds a candle to Tim Grounds on a flute. Um, no. Tim was great on a short read and did a lot of amazing stuff with that and, and revolutionizing it. I don't, I don't think he, you know invented it the half breed you know had a big part in, in history and moving towards a short read um but really tim was great but i think one of tim's biggest contributions to goose calling was his son hunter and hunter is the one who has taken short read goose calling to a level that no one's thought possible yeah and when you go around and i mean it was um when tim passed it was really hard and uh, for obvious reasons, it was it was hard on Hunter and the business, and you know it's the the poor kid. He's still going a hundred miles an hour, right? Um, but I was able, I was in a spot where I could go and help him out, and it wasn't going to hurt me any. So I went and took you know a, a month and a half, I think, out of the winter and a couple different stretches to go and and, and tune calls with him and to spend just long nights. I mean, working fifteen, sixteen hour days, tuning up orders, uh, mm-hmm. and listening to the stuff that hunter just does when he's tuning calls and it's fun you know kyle and i were talking about this on the way over here he just picked up a call and um you know he asked hey here blow this how do you like it and, and i blew it and he's like i could tell you liked it because you blew it for a minute man when when hunter goes off on those tangents where he gets one tune just right and he's super persnickety about this uh, so they all come out good but when he gets one that is real good I mean, it'll be five minutes, and you'll just listen to him, and it's, it's eerie. Like five like, minutes, like five yeah. five, like five minutes. It. He'll yeah. blow it, and and you'll be in the other room, and and it's like I'm coming back in there to sit, you know, six inches from him, but I'd sit outside the door and just listen to him with goosebumps because it's scary stuff. That I mean, he he doesn't put it in a routine. It's stuff that. Uh, there, not, there, there's, a, there's a good chance no one's ever even done half well, of this stuff. He's like, I mean, he's just getting into the social media game too, so nobody's ever going to hear it while he's tuning a call, right? Because he's not, you know, he's not. That's he's why not I gonna, love that dive bomb. Put that yes, on right. Dude, right. Those, right. So, I have that saved on my phone. It's, Some, it's, it's gross. Smithsonian stuff for waterfowl. Oh my you know? gosh! Those like quick triple clucks Dude. that he does. The triple to and, double. And, and, and he, is, he, 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 he may be the fastest uh. caller. Mike Benjamin's super fast yep. too. But but Hunter may be the fastest. And and where I said I am a copycat. Um, Hunter is a revolutionary. He yeah. is the guy who, um, I don't even think he needs to hear a goose to do it. I think he could make a note and a goose would try to copy it someday. You know, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've been holding this back, but but man, back in back in Illinois, I heard this one dude do this, and yeah. I've been wanting to try it. You know, <laughs> I mean, it's just the the stuff that he comes up with is not only realistic and goosey, but it's also uh, got a musical quality to it where it's rhythmically pleasing. And I think that's a big part of his style. And even though it's Mach 3, uh, a 12 out of 10 on technicality stuff it is his style, it's also rhythmically pleasing and it feels good to listen to. 
I feel like he will in kind of showcases what a main street dot caller is trying to showcase on a dot call in, in every single call he tunes. You know, he's trying to show the maximum capability of that yeah, call. The full range. And he's trying to make sure that it's got all of the bottom end too. Yeah. You know, there's, I mean, if he goes off on a tangent, like five, six minutes blowing a goose call, that's because he's taking a lot of pride in that. What that he just did. Yeah. 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 And, so, and that, and, and it's not like that's just a, an on, a, on rare occasions thing. I mean, if, if you ever get a chance to swing by there and he's a great entertainer and he probably won't just go back to doing what he's doing, but, um, my gosh, if if you could just listen to that kind just of stuff. Just be a fly on the wall exactly, in that situation. Exactly, it's, it's every call, and he just knocks them out of the park. Yeah, that's crazy, man. I would have I would have loved to have seen and been a fly on the wall, right, back when in, like, early 2000s, right? When, when, when Kelly well, and Tim. You got Tim Kelly trying to, like, mold Hunter. Oh my gosh! Like, can you imagine some of the conversations? Like, what? Well, and, and Fred, Fred was around there oh, too. I mean, gosh, I mean, and, dude, and they, they were they were all part of that. Yep. And, so, and oh my god, Ke- Kelly, best Kelly, obviously was a huge mentor to me. Tim was giant mentor to to Forrest, uh, and Kelly was as well. And but Kelly was, you know, he's been a huge mentor of mine. He best described Tim. So of the waterfowl world, Tim was the giant oak tree in the middle of the field and everybody, every waterfowler, every goose caller, goose call maker, anybody in the industry are the limbs, right? Yeah, because yeah. he touched everything, everybody that was in the industry. I mean, there's when I was working for Higden, like there's a picture in the showroom where you've got Sean Stahl, Hunter Grounds, Tim Grounds, Kelly Powers, Fred Zink, John Pasoni, Richie McKnight, Jeff like, Foyles, Jeff Foyles, all in one picture on one goose hunt. Unreal. Like, like think of think of the products that yeah. all of those guys revolutionary. Absolutely. Yeah. Honker talk came from Sean Stall. Dude, Titans. Straight Titans of the industry all in the same room. Yeah. Megas, right? Just yeah. like Leviathans of waterfowl. Yes. Yeah. Like I mean, it it is cool yeah. to just think and ponder of what conversations yeah. were had yeah. back in those and, times. And, you know, you, you mentioned you mentioned it, and I think the only person that I could even compare closely to Tim would be like a Butch Richenbach. And you're, you're talking oh. about the godfather of modern duck calling who oh. taught everybody and, and who, who had such a huge part in J-frame duck calls. But I don't think, because he was so... Um, busy with what he was doing, he never had the reach that Tim did. Yep. And, and even a Butch Richenbach, who I, I loved dearly and was very close with, pales in comparison to um, you know Tim as far as what, what he did for the industry of water and the sport of waterfowling. Mm-hmm. Well, the coolest thing, too, that like I've heard from people about Tim was that he was, no matter what you did, you know, whether you were mentored by him or not, he was always encouraging and happy for the next guy. Oh yeah, right. Like you it, go start your own company, you go and be successful, whatever it is. He exactly. was always stoked for that exactly. guy. Exactly. I'm sorry, I don't. I didn't mean, no, after so, you. So I mean, there's a picture with Forrest, myself, Robbie, Adam Leachman on the Easton stage, and Tim was. I was blown as ink call. When I won the yeah. Junior Worlds. Wearing a zinc shirt, wearing zinc Tim, he was Tim came out. and, I mean, dude, I was like bass fisherman zinc, right? Yeah. 
and like, <laughs> like pro bassfish, sponsored like Kevin Van Dam, yeah. Yeah, on, exactly. you know. So and, and Tim was, dude. Tim was one of the first people to come up, give me a hug, say, "Man, I'm proud of you, Bob." Like just, just happy for me, right? And I, I mean, there's a picture. I mean, I'm in like almost a headlock. Oh, you yes. could, you were turning purple. Yes, I remember and, this vividly. Yes, this was one of my favorite pictures. <laughs> so, but like it, it, it didn't matter. He yeah. wanted. He just wanted people involved. That's yeah. that's. He just wanted people to be getting and improving in the world of goose calling and the art of goose calling because that's what an artist and an artist instructor does is they encourage right. They encourage people to go out and perfect their craft, and that's what he does, and that's what he did. You know, that's. It's exact. It didn't matter if you blew zinc. It didn't matter if you blew foils. It didn't matter what. He wanted to make sure you had the right information, right, at the time to go and perfect your craft. Yeah. And, What's and, and, interesting and about Butch and Tim is they, like, I've never met Butch, but I've met Tim. But you can just tell by everything you've seen on YouTube of Butch Richenback. That he is like one of the most humble people on the planet, and so was Tim. Yep, like Tim was the nicest person, definitely ever. And 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 the thing it, it with Tim it carried, um, you know, beyond the the calling aspect as well. You know, it, it wasn't just he he would do anything for anybody to make them a better goose caller. He would do anything for anybody if he thought it would help them. And I think especially, uh, you know, in in his later years in life, that was that was really brought to light. Uh, I know personally, you know, my story when when I got really close with Tim, I knew Tim well, uh, starting like probably from the time I was 12, 13. So knew him, saw him, you know, frequently throughout the summer going on the contest circuit. Um, when my parents got divorced um, in 2008, uh, yeah, I was 18. It was, it was a rough time. It was uh, two days before uh, the beginning of my senior baseball season, which was my other life at the time right. uh, when my parents split up and I was devastated and yeah, yeah I, I'm going to get a little personal here, but you know, th things get tough when parents divorce and anyone who's been through it knows. Uh, and my circumstance was no harder than anybody else's, but um, there was for various reasons, uh, a lot of strain put on my dad's and my relationship and it got ugly, and I was at a point where you know I'm 18. I'm I'm doing my best to turn into a man. I got college coming. It's a big, scary world, and I I'm alone. You know, I felt like I my my grandfather was a wonderful influence, uh, but I just had too much respect for him to ask him these kind of life questions, and I I just I just kind of curled up into a ball uh, emotionally, and and just kind of let the world happen around me, and and I'd. I could still put on a face and go out and, and do things and live my life, but it, it was it was really, really hard. And sure. Tim was the guy who brought me out. And um, you know, I he was he was in two thousand eight, so so that was three years after Mike Keller passed. So Mike Keller's the one who got me into all this. When he passed away, that that was hard. Uh, and then I had to find someone else to help me continue to grow. And, and Butch was the one who helped me with duck calling and Tim helped me with goose calling. Well, uh, Tim was the one who I finally talked to, finally asked me, who kept calling me uh, frequently. I almost, uh, you know, at the time it, it felt annoying. And it's like, man, just, I, I, I don't want to talk to him. Just leave me, no, no, 
man, man, we need, we need to talk, man. How how you doing? What's going on? You know, right. Just, just kept me up. And, um, you know, it was a point where one day he just said, man, I'm your second dad. You got your father and you respect him and you love him. And no matter what's going on between you guys right now, don't give up on that because someday you're going to have kids and you want a wonderful relationship. You want them to have a great grandpa and, and it's, it's going to get better. Um, but, but right now, I, I'm your second dad. If you need anything, you call me. If you need money, you call me. If you, you know, if if you if you get drunk and and you you're out at a party or something, you, you call me and and I'll you know I'll I'm out here, but I'll find you a way home. I'll call you a cab. Right. I mean, just it was exactly what I needed, and he helped. It's incredible. Get me through that, and um, you know, and Tim signs everything. Uh, engraved yeah. calls, signs. You yeah. Know, the, yeah, the dude had like four sharpies on him at all times yeah. in different colors. <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you, man. And Just a walking autograph well, machine, exactly. And, and it's and people would ask for him all the time, but you know, it was also one of those where he was he was humble, uh, but he also I think knew the weight of some of that stuff and, and knew that it would mean something to people someday when eventually he passed. And um, you know, I'm glad he did because even the stuff he sent me, you know, for birthdays or graduation or, you know, what uh, I'd have a good baseball game or something, it would it just randomly, you know, hey, hey, man, I, I sent you one of these new calls, like the, uh, the first runner triple crowns when he started doing them in chartreuse and black. He said, hey, man, I got these. They're pretty sweet. I think you like one. And, you know, send something with an autograph on it. And, and it always sign it your second dad. And, you know, like it Damn. was, it was just super, super special, and and was you know gonna be at the wedding till he got it sick, and I mean, just uh, he was a big part of my life, and, and and he just he didn't need to be, you know. Right. I, I yeah, mean, yeah. I got things worked out with my dad after. I mean, it took a while, but you know, we got things there, and 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 Tim didn't need to to still offer to do all that stuff. You know, he, he lived eight hundred, nine hundred miles away, but you know, he he cared for me. Um, even though he had 50 or 100 other guys who he was doing the same thing for, um, I never felt like I had to, to, to share him with anybody. You know, I, I just had that kind of attention uh, with him, and he'd, he'd give you all the time in the world. And I think he even took it even to another step. You know, when he found God and started distributing Bibles, and, and yeah. I, I don't I don't want to get too religious here for, for anyone who's not into it, but when... When you truly care about random people that you don't know, you, you don't even know these people enough to offer them the word of God and try to get them eternal salvation, that is the most pure thing that you can possibly do. That is the most pure of hearts. And Tim cared about other people more than anything in this world. Well, and Bibles are not cheap. They're about 60 bucks. Yeah. Like yeah, on, I, on the normal. And then that's generally about the profit of a call right so and, like and, he's sending and, a bible with a call and when when he was ordering and, and you know he got a lot of the the smaller bibles but he did them up in that gear i mean there i'm sure there were there are quite a bit <laughs> yeah cheaper, but i forgot but, about but that he, oh my he God. had he ordered i think it was over ten thousand of these nat gear bibles and was giving them away as fast as he could to anybody he could who he thought might be able to read someday you know what i mean yeah and and it was just Man, how can I help you? You know, listen to this. This is this is something you need to take the time to look into because it doesn't seem like it right now. You're 15 years old. You got your whole life ahead of ahead of you probably. Look into this stuff. This yeah. is this is bigger than goose calling. This is bigger than hunting. And for someone who is an icon in the waterfowling industry to to step back and say, you know, 
put all this stuff aside, think about, you know, this, uh, that, that takes a hell of a heart. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable, man. Damn, dude, you yeah. got me all emotional right now. Right. It's crazy, like, dude. Or it, he's a, he's that oak tree, man. Titan. Like, everybody. I mean, he would have given his shirt off his back for everybody. Yeah. I mean, that's how, that's the type of person he was. Like him and my dad were really good friends back in the day. And my dad still is wearing Tim Ground's neck gaiters all the time. He still has all the koozies. Well, they're the best. Those Dude, neck gaiters honestly, are awesome. Are. Sitka's great and all. They're fuzzy, soft. But those, those <laughs> Ground's Dude, those black and white last. final approach neck gaiters, yes. Oh, we, hit, we had the camel nat gear ones. Oh, yeah. I know. Yeah, the, it, I don't care. The, the wind we're getting tomorrow blowing 40, <laughs> it ain't cutting through that you thing. It sounded no. like the Kool-Aid, man. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Kick yeah. through the wall. Oh, man. All right. Oh, so gosh. before we go, I want to hear about Dive Bomb. So, Forrest, when did you come on to Dive Bomb? Uh, you know, with, with Dive Bomb, I, I didn't start working for him until last year. Um, I was... Very fortunate that I started uh, taking pictures for Cody uh, years ago. I th- it was probably 2015-ish. I mean, relatively early pictures on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just products, just decoys. And it, of it his started silhouettes. as of his silhouettes. And that was silhouettes and socks. And it was it was pretty early on. I think it was the first year he really got out. Um, and it was one of those deals where, you know, I was, if things were financially tough, you know, if I'm going, I was spending my summers as a fishing guide and then coming back and, and working goose guiding in the, in the winters, but I hadn't quite gotten into a real steady job yet. And I had just had a job fall through. So I had to sell all my goose decoys to pay rent. So my wife and I had a place to, to live. I mean, I am, I am a goose guide that owned like two big foot floaters and a half dozen hand cut silhouettes that oh my, my grandpa God. made in the seventies, you right know, on. like this is not shaping up to be good. And it's November 3rd season starts in 20 days. So oh my God. Uh, I had talked to Cody some and we had had some good talks and I was really nervous to reach out because I was going to have to ask for something. And I'm not good at asking for things. I don't ask for things. I just, I go make my own money. I go do my own stuff because I don't want to burden anybody. Right. I called Cody and I asked him, uh, and it was one of these like, man, I'm about to go guide. I, I need a goose spread. I don't have anything, but I promise I'm going to get you a ton of pictures. I'll pay you back. Can I set up a payment program? Can I? And he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Just pump the brakes. What do you need? Man, I'm going to go guide goose hunts in West Texas. Uh, so what, like 20, 25 dozen? I was like, I might hide in 25 dozen. Um <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to say this. I need I need a lot of decoys. I need like a hundred dozen decoys. And um, he said, "Okay, simple as that." I need I need some pictures, um, and I need you to you know you know kind of kind of help me out on my end, and, and we'll work out the payment. And uh, you know it's it's not a big deal. And we went went forward. He sent me these decoys, and I was so grateful and i'm still eternally grateful because he put food on my table right um, you know by, by giving a goose guy a goose spread it's kind of hard to make money without goose decoys if you're mm-hmm. wanting to kill geese unless you got a great pass shooting spot which um, yeah. <laughs> um, hey man but uh, you set up on some public stuff that's right yeah. that's right you got the refuge just, right just there man you the go, hey. set up downwind to him it'll be great <laughs> yeah, I'll take exactly. 60 yards yeah it's perfect <laughs> 
clients uh, are like, what are we doing? You're like, oh, just, just wait. Just wait. wait. You'll yeah. see. Yeah. We know who's on yeah. You'll yeah. see. Yeah, wait till you see you Tim's spread here. You need 10 <laughs> gauges. That's right. Yeah, no, so uh, Cody really, really helped me out, and we've had a great relationship, and he finally came out to Colorado to where I got to meet him in person, uh, going to hunt with a buddy of mine, Braden Quincy. We were shooting ducks. It was a great time. But I had flown out there in my uh, my grandpa's airplane because I was too lazy and didn't want to drive. I wanted to you know cut the trip in half, so I flew out there, and they picked me up. Well, Cody had never been on a little airplane ride, and a Super Cub is a very, very, very little. It's like a tandem bicycle with saran wrap and wings. Um, and I crammed his, I think he's 6'4". I crammed him in the back seat, and we went over there, and we flew over Braden's, and we flew over the river, and we went and checked out some snow geese. I was leaving town, so I wasn't worried about scouting and having to take time off. So I, I just showed him everything. And he was like, man, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. I think I bomb knees an airplane. I'm like, yeah, sweet, that'd be great. He called me five months later, and he's like, dude, have you found me an airplane yet? Uh, I'm like, uh, what? So long story short, he asked me to start finding an airplane. I found an airplane, did a ton of legwork. I think I covered like 10 states trying to find a good one. Finally got something set up, and he bought this airplane for the company. And then that's when he hired me on last year uh, to be the pilot of Dive Bomb 1, which is so the sick. most Unreal. pimped out Sweet Cessna 180, awesome bush plane. Uh, you know, pretty darn decent cross country machine. I t- I've taken it uh, to Alaska and back. Um, it started on floats. Now it's on big old giant Tundra tires. I mean, there's there's really not many places I can't go in this thing. And uh, you know, it started off as as just kind of being a pilot, and um, you know that grew. Uh, I, I was doing photography stuff as well and started, you know, I, I spent all last season going on and going to different outfitters. Um, but as you've found out uh, pretty quickly here, I can't shut up when you put something in front of me. So um, they they wanted me to uh, to just keep going with this stuff. And, and they've gotten me going with some of the YouTube stuff and, and this and that and all sorts of different things. So really... Um, you know, I just kind of do anything I possibly can for dive bomb now, whether it's taking pictures or the field facts with forest series, which is a, I love it. it. No, no one knows what it is. I, nobody ever watches it. I think the views are minuscule, but I do. It, it's, it's just, you know, trying to be informative and, and teaching people about waterfowling, which, you know, Kyle and I have talked about kind of, that's kind of our job, you know, is, is names in the waterfowling industry, but that's a, a different point. Um, but you know, it's, it's growing, uh, the company has grown exponentially. Uh, we've got a great team together uh, that's able to put together a lot of really cool stuff, uh, and we're able to reach a lot of people. And uh, you know, I don't care what it is, uh, whether whether it's filming, photography, just hanging out, sitting in the background. I mean, heck, I don't care what it is. It's just awesome to be a part of that company. Yeah. So, Kyle, are you working for Die Bomb now? Uh, yeah, I am. What that's What do you do cool, over there, bud? Kind of. Uh, you know, <laughs> I'm not nearly as talented with the camera as the other guys that are there. So I'm like the student when it comes to running the camera, but like I'm going to be helping out with a lot of the marketing and the, the sales uh, that's going on with the, the whole dive bomb uh, product line, you know, and, and then Forrest and I, we've got some really, really cool projects in, in the works that yeah. we're going to be working on over the next probably what shoot this, this, uh, hunting season for sure into like the off season. Like it's going to be some really, really cool stuff. So that's awesome. Um, no, I've it's, 
it's I've been there like two weeks now, so yeah. <laughs> it's all very yeah. very fresh to me. So is it very overwhelming? It it, it is because uh, you know uh, it's, well they're doing it, everything. They're they're doing everything and everywhere. Yeah, and, that's, and they're doing it right. It, yeah, yeah, and 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 it's like everything and everywhere across the country, across the, the, the Canada, Alaska, everything, right? And it's just cool to be a part of that, you know? And and after, you know, I'm helping a little bit with some social media stuff too. And, I mean, seeing the amount of people yeah. that are loyal, following loyal. along and engaged with everything we're doing, yeah. like, it is amazing. Well, here's the thing, like, and I don't, I have not met Cody. Joey has, but I love the thing Cody's about Cody. He's one of the most dude, fun he is individuals the coolest in the world. Dude yeah, he, ever. He is, he's that cool uncle that everybody wishes they had. No, well, yeah. not only that, but like watching the reach that you guys have created and the following and like the way you guys are doing things, mm-hmm. it seems like Cody must have his head really screwed on straight and understand exactly what the waterfall industry wants and needs. Mm-hmm. Right. Because seeing like you two, like really easygoing, cool guys that people in the industry want to like know, you know what I mean? And having you guys on board and just, you know, like the fact that you're talking about like the field facts with Forrest, like you're not getting a bunch of views right now on that specific thing, but it will. You know what I mean? Like that's the type of thing where you're doing things for the right reasons. Well, here's not, the thing not too. just because it's a thing to do. I didn't know who you were until you started working for Dive Bomb. And I've been like, I don't want to say stalking you, but like, I'm just like, who is this guy? And I've just like heard everyone talk about him. Like, dude, I need to know this guy. You see where he lives in the middle of nowhere in Minnesota. I think dude. Stalking you. <laughs> Welcome to fucking. Scary, dude. <laughs> hey, you do the lotion on this. <laughs> yeah. You're going to need a better security system. Look at where we are right now. Dude. <laughs> we are in the basement. <laughs> no, no. And, and really, I, I, I feel like I am a nobody. I mean, I won a few contests and I've been blessed to be around a lot of people. But I mean, I'm, I'm, we're all of us. We're just dudes. And that's the yeah, biggest thing yeah. that the people that got us where we are, they were kind of the same way. And they didn't ask for anything in return. They, they didn't ask us for money for goose calling lessons. Um, you know, I've had a couple guys, Tim included, just specifically ask that we teach people in yeah. return. Yeah, and that's right. that's that's the only way we'll ever be able to come close to repaying those things that those people did for us. Yeah, and 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 I don't want anything out of it. You know, I don't I don't care if I I never make a penny related to hunting ever. But the feeling of we were just talking about it when you get to talk to someone like like the the DMs on the the Instagram for Dive yeah. Bomb yeah. are insane. If you leave them for a half an hour, and we've got four people uh, going back trying to take care of this stuff. If you, you know, uh, talk to some of these people, sometimes you give them some advice or, you know, if, if you don't have the time, say, hey, hit me up on my personal one and, and let's take some time. Or, hey, here's my phone number. Call me. You know, let's spend 45 minutes talking about what it is you need help with. And when they come back, you know, a week later or a day later or a year later and say, man, when you when we talked about this, 
that made the difference today. And they send you a mm-hmm. picture of, of, you know, a solo limited geese or a 10 man limited geese or, you know, or one banded mallard, you know, there was the one duck they shot all day, but, but they are proud enough of it. And they took that big step in their minds uh, that they are so proud that they got to come back and tell you. And that is, that right. is, that is the coolest totally. feeling in the whole world. Dude, a hundred percent. That's the same gratification that like we feel too. And when we started this, so a big reason we started this, like I didn't grow up hunting. Right. So Joey actually taught me to hunt. Yeah. And so like, cause I, so I played football, I played football in college. That was like my whole life. And then as soon as that ended for me, I was like, what's next? You know, like I kind of felt like a little bit lost because I'm a really competitive person too. So I need something to like drive myself into. Yeah, man. Like I need something that's like pushing me forward all the time. I'm a super passionate person. So I could give a shit about money. If I'm not passionate in my day to day life, it means nothing. Yeah, that's why all here. four of us yeah. are sitting at this yeah. table right 100%. now. Exactly. That's 100%. 100%, exactly. dude. So, like, Joey taught me to hunt, what is it, like, seven, eight years now? Yeah. Yeah. Like, eight, seven, eight years ago, I started learning to hunt. And so, like, two years in, I came to Joey, and this is when Dr. Duck on Yeti had just come out. Yep. And Connor, who owns Midwest Flyways with us, is an extremely talented videographer. And he was working for a digital agency at the time, full-time as a videographer. So I went to Connor and I was like, hey man, I just started learning to duck hunt a couple years ago. I'm in love with it and uh, I'm obsessed. And The best part like, is this isn't like a couple of years ago. It was like two weeks after your no, first duck hunt, dude. Well, You're like, dude, we got to do something. No, this okay. So awesome. I had hunted the first year, but we just hadn't hunted that much, you know? And then this was like probably two months, I think, realistically into us. Like, okay. like my first year of like really hunting like all the time. So I went to Connor and I'm like, dude, you can make these videos. I'm like you can make these videos. Like we need to start doing this. And, uh, he's like, yeah, I'm in. And I'm like, here's the catch. <laughs> him and him and Joey were like mortal enemies at this point. Right. Like enemies, they just dude. did not get along in high school, whatever. So I'm like, Joey's going to do it with us though. And he's like, oh, I don't think so, man. <laughs> and I'm like, no, dude, I was like, come on, man. Like, yeah, I know he's the worst, but we all grew up a little bit, and you know, you're, like you're playing both sides. Of the yeah, I was, yeah. man, because yeah. like I was best friends with like both these dudes, yeah. but not together, yeah. you know. So then I was like, I went to Joey, I'm like, hey, we're gonna start making these videos. He's like, how? And I'm like, Connor all said, and he's like, no, dude. <laughs> and I'm like, oh yeah, no. So we like got pizza together one day, and they talked, and we kind of like talked everything out, and they were like, yeah, we are kind of like growing up and this is all right now i matured so thank god yeah like the first thing we did we set up a mission statement um and that was you know we understand the traditions of the outdoors are great in ourselves and we just want to push that tradition forward and so we essentially started out making educational videos because i was like well if you don't grow up like with somebody teaching you to hunt Mm -hmm. it's really hard because and the other thing is a lot of the people that reach out to us now they're like afraid You know, they're like, oh, I was kind of scared to like ask you guys, but you guys have been so cool. And it's like, man, nobody really is like scary, you know, like just go talk to these guys. And if you show a genuine interest and a love for it, they're going to want to help you. You know, that's at least what I've found for the most part in the waterfall industry. And and, I mean, you guys have a bigger impact on, on the outdoors than you think. I mean. Just look at your Instagram. You got fifteen and a half thousand followers as of this point in time. I mean, look in, in another week and it'll be, you know, seventeen thousand. I mean, it's 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 crazy how many people you touch and, and we all know social media and a lot of people scroll through a lot of stuff, but a right. lot of people don't. Yeah. You guys yeah. put out some awesome stuff crazy. and this podcast is actually super, super influential. And I think in this modern waterfowling world we're in, 
uh, podcasts and YouTube are the two main ways people are learning how to do all this stuff. They're yeah, not watching, right. uh, you know, DVDs. They're not no, listening no. to CDs or, or even recorded stuff. But well, like go back to 10, 15 years ago, right? How did you learn how to duck call over the phone or 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 if you were talking to a guy at Cabela's, he's like, man, I've been sitting in my truck listening to a CD driving down the road. Yep. Buck Gardner, straight talk. Yep. Ducks gone wild. Honker Fred Zink. Honker talk. My personal. It's fair enough. But but super mag mania. <laughs> <laughs> but like now you've got YouTube and podcasts where you can sit that your phone down and plug in and there you go. Yeah. That's, it. that's crazy too. Like we actually did like a video series that's done pretty well where Joey is literally just, it's one minute where he blows into the front of the call then blows into the back of the call yep. then blows yeah, into the front of the call then blows in. And we just put it on a loop mm-hmm. for like two minutes so you can just sit in the truck and yep. keep hitting replay, yep. Yep. you know, because a bunch of people requested it. Like, hey, man, those the calling videos are great, but it's not like something There's I too keep much talking. And, yeah. and, 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 and just think about it. I mean, have you guys ever blown on a calling contest? Nope. What what stuff do you think you have done that's a big deal in waterfowling? Do you? I nothing. Mean, nothing, right? I mean, that that's, that's the instinctual answer that any of us say. But here you are putting these podcasts out. Uh, and, and you're taking time and putting into it because it's something you're passionate about that you enjoy. That uh, if you got paid, sure, I'd do it. If you didn't get paid, sure, I'd do it. If you were broke, yeah. you would find a way to do this because yeah. it's something you love. And it affects people far more than you know. And you don't have to be a contest caller. You don't have to be a, a Tim Grounds. You don't have to be a Fred Zink. You know, you could be uh, Jeff from down the street who yeah. has, you know, four dozen flambeaux. Or but Bill Hawk. Exactly. Right. Yeah. But, but, there, right. but there's a, a 10-year-old kid who needs who's yearning for something and if you show him the outdoors yep. it could be you know he could be the next fred zink or someone it it's exactly. all about um just taking care of our traditions and our sport yeah. and and carrying that on and it makes so much of a difference that people really don't understand uh how easy it is to change someone's life yeah and that's that's all it takes is one yeah. person um being kind and, and, and listening to people, listening to a question and taking it seriously. And I mean, it's easy to, to listen to someone's question and go, do birds land upwind or downwind? Or what? Yeah. But no, all right, well, birds land into the wind. This is why. And it, you know, in time, yep. things just build on each other. And it's something as simple as that that can change someone's life completely. Oh, yeah. one, one thing, uh, first time you and I had met, was at Rogers, Kyle? Yeah. I'm pretty sure it wasn't it at Rogers two so. years ago. I think so. Um, and you and I just talked like briefly in the store, and you had said, "Dude, the stuff that you guys put on on YouTube is like so informational, and it's like good information, yeah. and I love it. Thank you for putting that out there." And like, I had always felt so weird putting up these videos on YouTube. Like, I would never have done this if it wasn't for Cal and Connor, like yeah. ever. And. uh they're like, hey, we need more content. We need to put stuff out there. Like, what can we teach people about? And I felt weird because I'm not a Kyle Jones. I'm not a two-time world championship goose collar. I'm mm-hmm. not this or that. However, when I learned, like, I didn't have anyone teaching me. Like, yeah. my dad taught me the basics of duck calling, and then I went to YouTube, and there were zero good videos on there, and I had to figure it out. Like, I put hours on my duck and goose call. Like, it- disgusting amount. So hearing you say that, it was just like, Oh, this is awesome. Now I can just like run with it and whatever, you know, it just, it was like a nice little compliment. It's like, you're doing good stuff. Keep doing it. And I was like, Oh man, but makes me feel great. Like in that, 
I mean, it, it's still like that statement still goes through right now. Like it, it, 1 million percent because if I were 13 years old, that's what I would be doing is learning from what you guys are putting out, you know, and that, and that's, that's what, that's what is going to change somebody. I mean, it's just going to change somebody's life. Like with what Forrest said, it's one video away. You know what I'm saying? Right. Mm-hmm. It, it, it really is. One video away from posting that photo of their first goose they shot by themselves. Exactly. And, and the difference is now one video isn't, you know, one person. It's, you know, you it's not taking that time to talk to one person. You put one video out and you could have, I mean, in time, hundreds of thousands of people who draw off of that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, it, and it, I mean, you could, a kid could be stuck on a, a honk or a cluck and you know what? I watched this video, learned how to do the cluck, and the next time he went out hunting, he clucked three times and killed a goose, and he's like, oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, my God. Hooked. Yes. Yeah. It, like Life-changing. Totally. Kid, I mean, it, it's just going to inc- completely encompass that person. Yeah. You know, that's just what it. That's, that's what it's pro- all about, right? Absolutely. But, like, that's something that is very, very, there, there's not a lot of great, free information out there is really not not from knowledgeable people right that know the products know the no not just not no products but no have been around the block the hunting how 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 hunting works well yeah right? and how i think the big thing like you're trying to say i think we were trying to say is how it relates yeah. to hunting yeah you know not just calling you know just to call how it actually works for you specifically you Bingo. know yeah. Bingo. Absolutely. Yeah. It's it's non-existent. Yeah. So I think like people just see that and it <coughs> captures them. Yeah. So. Well, I just I wanted to let you know that that was like a huge like, hey dude, fuck yeah, let's let's fucking go, you know. And now that was like right at the time we hit ten thousand subscribers, so I was like, it's on. Now yeah, we're Joey, drinking beer. In your Joey called right. me. <laughs> it's wild. Joey called me after that night. And he's like, dude, we can do this. Yeah. Is that like, when we you can got keep that giant eighteen-inch Superman tattoo across your chest? Actually, yes. yeah. Nice. That is exactly. When did he take his shirt off? <laughs> oh, that was earlier. Oh, you weren't, <laughs> you weren't there for that. <laughs> Unreal. Oh, oh God. Sorry. No, I yeah. uh, too, too many years of touching butts in baseball. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> All right, bud. All right. There you go. No, there room talk. There is, dude, okay, okay. Just going back. So if you watch the dive bomb story today, I, oh my God, I listened to it. I'm like, what did you just say? He goes, man, I can't wait to uh, take a, what was it? Nap, underwear nap later. I'm like, I hope you say like sometime in the story, not like, dude. We're gonna be in different beds. <laughs> no, 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 no. We're we're in a room with two queens, but one of those queens is for bags. Like, oh yeah, yeah. yeah there you go. That's yeah, like, you keep stuff I'm like, oh, what is going yeah. on? Everybody boys. does that, right? This yeah. is a there's a hell of a yeah. lot of bags, though. Hell of a first you have to trip. You have no hell idea of a first trip. <laughs> Welcome to dive bomb, Kyle. <laughs> Unreal. Dude, guys, I had so much fun. Yeah. We had so much fun having you guys on. I'm so glad we were able to make this happen. I tried contacting you, what, a oh, month and a half and ago? We've been trying. No, th- just thank you for being patient, you know, with, yeah. with these kids. It's ridiculous. Oh, yeah. I, I've watched the Instagram stories, dude. So we know. <laughs> it, it, we, I appreciate that. No, no, but this has been awesome. Thank you, guys. Yeah. It's it's great to get to meet you. I mean, I, I love following your stuff. You guys are awesome. You're, you're doing a great thing for waterfowling, and, and j- so just, are you guys. just keep it up. Yeah. Thank you, but yeah. keep, keep it up. You guys are killing. Thanks, Absolutely. man. Absolutely. I would say 
to go on that, man. Thank you guys for having us uh, and hosting us. I've, we've been you've messaged me quite often. Uh, well, and, don't and say it like that. <laughs> well, yeah. well, don't say it like that. He seems <laughs> annoying, <laughs> man. Message <laughs> no, fucking no, Joe. No, yeah. no, but you uh, know, we, we've been always red. we've always been trying to to figure something out, and finally it worked out. Yeah, and you know, and man, just keep on crushing it. Just that's that's all I got to say is keep on crushing it because y'all are killing it. Killing it. Thanks, man. Appreciate well, that, guys. You know, it's like I said earlier before we started the podcast, I wanted to have a separate podcast with the both of you, but it just kind of worked out singularly. So I'd like to do this again. One. Yeah. One. If you guys end up in Minnesota, you got to let us know. Oh, we will. Yeah. Well, you we got to you got a place to stay so you don't have to book a hotel. Say tell Cody you can save some money or just come fucking hunt with us. There you go. Do you, have a, do you have a field that he can land the plane in? Literally I'm right hunting here. I'm hunting Sold. the field out the back door tomorrow morning. For geese? 80 yards yeah, for, for geese. geese. Like right out the back door. Sweet. Corn <laughs> cornfield pasture on one side, cornfield on the other side. Meanwhile, we're going to get in a Well, it's not even a rental rental cars are new. <laughs> yeah, this this is a Pontiac. It's a vibe and it's a courtesy car. <laughs> it, we're we're we are vibing. Yeah. Oh yeah, you, baby. And, and airports Dude, do these courtesy uh, the courtesy cars. <laughs> I'm about to have a kid, and dad humor's already kicking yeah. in. Oh god! Oh my god! <laughs> we uh, we got these courtesy cars, and they're like junkers that people donate as a tax write off to the city, and that sit out there and rot in an airport parking lot. So oh, you can take it yes. to probably make it to get lunch at the local Burger King. Sure, or something. you're pushing the limits, though. I, Buddy, I th- I'm surprised we haven't lost hubcaps or doors. I thought about doing a burnout, but I was like, no, <laughs> no we need to get back. Uh, exactly. No, and, and you're going to go hunt 80 yards from your front door tomorrow. Meanwhile, we're going to get back in this thing and and take it, what, an hour south. Hey, and let then the good we're going to drive roll, another baby. hour after that in the morning. What the? I don't even know we're hunting in the morning. Well, we are. I, 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 I know we're, we're hunting. It's a long way away. How about that? I got the pan. Beautiful. It's a long way away. Yikes! The life. Of I want to do that. Employee. Oh yeah. yeah no. I, hey, <laughs> you so, trade? so we yeah. talked. We talked, and I know we're we're trying to close out, but like we talked about, we talked about earlier. Forrest driving six to seven hours to go kill a couple dogs, right? Mm-hmm. And then That's, we talked about you driving from nine p.m. till seven a.m. to go and kill some. Dude, this dogs. we're all about it. Yeah, we'll do it every single week. Oh yeah, man, that is just how it's how it, like when I lived in Kentucky, I had to drive eight hours to go kill two to three Canada geese because Kentucky does not have Canada geese. Yeah, you know, so they've got water moccasins. Oh, <laughs> and banjos. Different type of hunting. Ding, 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 and ding, ding, a lot of meth and around. A lot of meth and Things get pretty methy okay. out there, yes. dude. So, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah. So, but like, you know, it, it, we're, that's just, that's just part of it. We're just, yeah. We're used to Freaks, it, Freaks, dude. Yeah. That's no, about, I know. All about it. And hey. you guys know about it too. Oh yeah. You're that's preaching the choir, dude. That's why dude. you guys do it. Well, Joey's, we're Joey's leaving tonight to drive four hours to the cabin so they can hunt in the morning and then drive right back. Good. Well, so. that's because we got a slough with 400 honkers and 300 mallards in a nice tight slough with a permanent blind that we're not even going to use, but they're so used to it that they land, swim up to it, and eat off the shore. So it's like... Why wouldn't you use a permanent blind? Well, it's just ratty. 
Like you're gonna fall through the floor. Oh, okay. Like that tetanus. makes sense. Sa- that, that, safety that makes, hazards. That makes sense. Because I was, I was like, what? There's like yeah. ten, like ten nails from like the the twenties, just like popping out through the floor. Perfect. This is I that stepped your in duck it the camp? first time. This isn't my duck cam. It's a buddy of mine out there who oh. lives out. Big dive bomb fan, by the way. We nice. introduced it to him, and he's just yeah. like, "Hey, dude, they got a new sweatshirt. I'm buying the sweatshirt." And I was like, "All right, <laughs> keep buying them, bud." Right, <laughs> but he uh, he takes takes me into this permanent blind. I was like, "Bud, there is zero brush on this thing." He's like, "Literally, don't worry about it." And I take, <laughs> and I take a step in it, and I just like feel this nail hit me in the foot. And I was like, "I think the last time I got a tetanus shot was like 11 years ago, yeah. Yeah. before my freshman oh, this year." This is high what school. mom used to talk about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, it's 12 degrees outside. Now I have water in my boot. Thank you. <laughs> nice. <laughs> But did we smash birds? Yes. So it was yeah, worth it. Those are the best. Yeah. But it's just like, <clears throat> Wade was here a couple of weeks ago. He's here for eight days. We're in North Dakota hunting with him, and we are going ored. Like, just so ored. Oh, yeah, dude. And Wade like got, the, Wade got put through the ringer. Because they were in North Dakota. They were there for two days. Then they drove here, hunted uh, here. How wore, how wore out was his laugh by the time... It was all over. <laughs> he, he was doing this. <laughs> yeah. Of, oh, yeah. Oh, I love his laugh. I love oh, his yeah, laugh. Me too. Contagious. It's very contagious, dude. That dude is the type of guy you're around. You can't help but smile all no. the time. No, no, no. But yeah, so then they came here. Then they got a phone call. We did a podcast on a Wednesday. They got a phone call at 1030 p.m. Like, hey, you need to come two hours north. Two and, and a half hours northwest and here. shoot these divers with us tomorrow. It's, it's a o'clock. blizzard. It's like the most ideal if you want to experience northern Minnesota. Like you need to come do this. So they left here, got there at two a.m., hunted that, came back. We got in the truck, drove wait, to my. Wait, wait a second. We shot a five-man limit of divers oh yeah, along Kurt, with well a five-man yeah. limit of canvas backs, bluebills. Every Crazy. diver ever. The in most like ideal a, diver. Wow. Dude, it was disgusting. Now did Sign my me up. Now yeah. did my GoPro die immediately? Yes. Too cold. Blizzard. Was it a GoPro seven? Eight. Eight. Uh, Bad battery that figure. came with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That'll but happen. They came back. We got in the truck, drove three and a half hours to my family's cabin in Wisconsin. Dude. And then, you know, haunted there and then drove back and then Wade got in the plane the next day. But before he got in the plane, Joey and him had to hit a local pond quick. So it was like, man, when that dude oh, got yeah. home, he must have slept for like four Now that days. pond oh, yeah. is 12 minutes from here. Yeah. And, and he's a Louisiana boy, so he doesn't get Canada's. No. Yeah. And so we set up my He doesn't boat. get Mallard's either. Let's just ah! be, let's be <laughs> honest. Let's be honest. <laughs> Hell of a lot of wood ducks. Wade, you wings. <laughs> a lot of wood ducks, though. A lot of Damn it, Missouri. So we set up on this pond. Set up on this pond. Dude's house is mm, 60 yards behind us. And this dude is is a, he's a little weird, but he is like a great dude. He's and he, he texts guy. me every time he has over 100 honkers on the pond. They're back. They're back. Oh, there's about 80 mallards that flew over it. And I was like, this is great. So we go out there on a Monday morning. It's sunny. Birds don't really fly right away in the morning. We have two inches of ice on the pond because we had a huge freeze up here. And Wade's like... Man, maybe we should have just slept in. I was like, no, dude, nine o'clock hits, it's going to turn on. And we had a couple of flocks of mallards fly by, we smacked them, and then we had three groups of honkers come in at five feet. And I mean, five feet to the cattails. And he's like, dude, dude, Joey, Joey. And he's like, just like, when are we going to shoot? When are we? He's just grabbing my arm. He's like, when are we going to shoot? I'm like, kill him. And he's like, oh my God. And just poof, just <laughs> pillowcase every single honker that came in. He's like, dude. This was probably the best hunt that we've had, and we've had some unbelievable hunts. That's cool. Wade shot a band. Wade shot a band. Oh, yeah. yeah. In Wisconsin. You Mississippi Flyway honker hunters. That's um, Check out my lanyard, dude. I wouldn't know what it is. (laughs) 
unbelievable. Oh, no. I'm the most unlucky band guy. We were, we were talking yesterday because on that flight, I mean, we're flying for four and a half hours. Oh. So, you know, he's like, man, like some people just have a lot of luck when it comes to getting Canada, jo- big Canada goose bands. Joints. Right? <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I'm like, well, if you look at my lanyard, I have like four that were all banded a month before. 300 yards from where they were banded uh, and I'm hunting with the guy that banded them. Like, oh yeah. <laughs> and he's just like, Perfect. he's just shaking his head. He's like, yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. So, Unreal. well, thank you guys. Let's close it out. Appreciate you guys being here. Can't wait to have you back. Um, in the meantime, check us out on all of our other channels. Make sure you go to YouTube and hit subscribe and we'll see you soon.